Safety Doc Podcast with author, radio host, and nationally recognized safety expert, Dr. David Perotin. Join us each week as we discuss the best and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. Follow Dr. Perotin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe. Hey, everybody, it is your good friend, the safety doc from down here in the legendary North Star recording studio. So glad that you parsed out some of your Monday evening to be here with me. And uh, that means a lot. So I appreciate it. And I haven't uh, done the traditional weekend shave here over the break. So I am. uh, Yeah got a little bit of the, the grayish beard going on. So actually, I like this look. Um, I think I should keep it going for a little while. So uh, welcome to everybody. And uh, let me get things configured here. And uh, welcome grilling and chilling. So hey, let me uh, get things going here. So how's everybody today? Um, on a couple days after Christmas. So <laughs> Oh, my goodness. All right. Uh, Hydration is the name of the game. So, um, yeah, so we had snow overnight and about, you know, four or five inches of snow. So this morning I was out with my snowblower uh, cleaning out the neighborhood. So, actually, I, I love doing that. It's an awesome, <laughs> awesome piece of equipment, right? I've had a snowblower maybe like 12 years and just shoveling sucked before that. And now like, it's just fun to fire up a snowblower. So my neighbor who works for the county uh, was driving snowplow for 16 hours straight. So I cleaned out his driveway and then somebody from his house came out and they're like, I am his cousin's niece or whatever. And thank you for plowing out the driveway. I'm like, I've never seen you before, but <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, no problem. Like I know, you know, if I was gone, he would do this for me. Not that big of a deal. And um, so, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. So we're supposed to be in the twenties in the next few days. So it's important to get the snow off so it doesn't freeze up. Th- thankfully we have a flat driveway. Um, so it's, it's not that big of a deal uh, if I have to salt or anything like that, but like my parents up North, they have like a pretty, like a 30 degree angle on their driveway, concrete driveway going up. So that thing gets slippery, man. You're in trouble. Uh, so let me do a shout out here, uh, to Vanessa, to man against the masses, Robert River Harrison, our good friend with zero weight oil, swamp dog armory, um, of course. Thank you, Swampy. Um, might be coming in a little hot on the mic here, but uh, let me know. I think, I've, I mean, I've got my headphones on, but the thing is, like, I've, <laughs> it's only as good as, like, how I have it turned on for volume, but it's pretty it's pretty good. Um, YouTube goes in and levels it anyway. It's a good friend, uh, Grillin' and Chillin' Mojo. Thank you so much. Jim McIntosh, Sass Too Many. Good evening, all. Good evening, Sast. Um, Sast, who was on the show, I believe, three three weeks ago. So, yeah. Thank you, everybody, for being here. Appreciate it greatly. So, a few updates. Um, I am at 1,079 followers. 
for the channel, or I guess subscribers. And welcome to Andrew. Yeah, remember to like, this, uh, like the stream. So I'm checking. Um, I did issue some more blue wrenches. So if you look, um, you might notice we have more blue wrenches. I trust the, my blue wrench group. Um, I don't know if it was a week ago or so, but one of the shows got a little feisty in the chat <laughs> between some people in the chat. And the blue wrenches had to step in and kind of clean that up. So uh, use the blue wrench at your discretion. It allows you to... Uh, put people in timeout and things like that. So uh, typically, you know, that doesn't happen, but you never know who comes in or I guess there's more bot stuff coming in or people just trying to get into streams and stuff. So I've got a good group here. So, um, but yeah, well, th well, thanks for uh, uh, the kind words on hitting um, over a thousand subscribers. So yeah, 1,079. So now it's about 10 subscribers a day. It's going up. And um so let me do this. Hey, we have somebody new. Hello, um, Meek Joe. So um, hello and welcome and thank you. And if you haven't subbed, please sub. So we have one, 1,079 subs. So we are doing great uh, with that. And so, I mean, the show, the, the show like back in October is probably like at 500 subs. <laughs> so, so I know I'm up like over 300 just in the last 28 days. And a lot of that, thank you so much, all of you. Uh, DLD after dark, um, you know, bacon, John Crump live and, but all of you, uh, it, it really has just propelled the show and after doing a, this is episode 164 after doing 163 episodes, then the face validity Fridays in addition, um, I was hoping, yeah, it would start to gain, gain traction. So, but on the goofy YouTube thing, it now just, you need 4,000 hours to be monetized. And I have like 1800 hours which is bizarre because i track it every day i have a i, I track users or, or subscribers um how many hours like of watch time and then how many views so like subscribers and views goes up and watch hours went down this week which is really weird so um i, <laughs> I don't i don't get it um but anyway so I've, I've got about 2,000 watch hours to go across all of you. So I know, you know, if you got it and something you're doing and the show's on in the background or the foreground, I appreciate it. What is up, Doc? Hey, it's our good friend Bacon Maldito from Inglewood, California. Bacon, um, I hope you are well, my good friend. And uh, I'm doing well. So, so yes. Yeah, so the show is, is hitting everything it needs to hit except the watched hours. And it's going to be exciting once I get there. Um, today was a big day for me because um, I needed to submit the final first proof of my book to the publisher. So what a proof is, and I actually recorded, I went in and recorded like all of the, the stuff from the website because I, I have to log in and then chapters of the book come up and there's notes from the publisher and things like that. So um, I made a recording of everything just so I could reference it later. And then I want to do a show on this too. Like I want to cut the pieces out and say, this is what it actually looks like when you have to proof a book. Um, but I, I, I read through everything three times, right? And then I answered all the questions. But like when you read a book that's 67,000 words three times, like it's a lot. So I'd read it, you know, one, two days, take a couple of days off. And so December 18th, it that was sent to me. Like they said, log in and you have 10 days. And then I needed to get get it to them by the 28th. But realistically, you need to, need it to do that today to get that to them. So, uh, so we're it's exciting now. I mean, the book is April 11th. That's 
<laughs> it's funny because everything's already public. It's all out there. So if I do internet searches, like the book shows up in a lot of places, bookstores already, stuff like that. But um, but we had some issues on laying out graphics because I had graphics built, ex especially for the trim, like they could be made large on a whole page and uh, and things like that. So, um, but anyway, I'm going to go through what that process is of when you proof a book because there's nothing new with proofreading. Um, and so, yeah, fingers crossed that I get a good email tomorrow morning of like, you know, hey, Dr. Proden, this looks good or whatever. We can go and right away to second proof or I don't know. Usually not, there's like two proofs and then it'll probably go um, right to publication. So, um, but anyway, like I'm, I'm thrilled um, because it's just, it's another step in something that is obviously going to happen. And we had, a, you know, at Christmas, the family gatherings, uh, I was surprised how many people were just interested in the book. Like I didn't have the book out. I don't, you know, I didn't have the covers out. I didn't have anything. I, I didn't talk about it. And people are just asking me like, what's going, you know, tell us about the book. And so I'm going in and well here, and, you know, I interviewed these people and I wrote about this and, you know, it's just one of those things like it's, it's pretty rare to know people that know that write books. Right. I didn't know anybody who wrote a book on, until the last couple of years. So when you write a book, I mean, it's, um, people have a high, high interest in that, you know, how did, what do you have to do for your publisher and stuff like that? So, so it was cool. And yeah, I'm now gathering, um, I have a spreadsheet. So I'm gathering the postal addresses of people that will get inscribed copies from me. And then I'll, I'm also having a stamp made. I had a stamp made for the vlog, for my first book, School of Airs, but it was really big. <laughs> And it was kind of hard to use. Like if I was at an author event, like it was impossible to use it there um, and line everything up. Uh, I don't want to ruin somebody's book. Like, right. Somebody who's purchased a book, hands it to you, and then you like stamp it, your thing sideways on it. But, uh, but I'm having a new stamp made and I think it's going to be, it kind of looks like the embossed thing. If you go to like um, the hell is it a bank? You know, I'm talking about like a notary public. It kind of looks like that, although it's not like compressed in the paper and it's done in blue. So it matches a cover. But, you know, um, anyway, it's just it's something I'm going to stamp with and as I sign. And I sign all my books with my Mont Blanc pen, which is right here. It's the most expensive pen I've ever owned <laughs> in my life. So um, this is a multi hundred dollar pen right here uh, that I received because I bought it after um school of airs so i i won this at an auction my friend is a, a pen connoisseur and uh this is a mont blanc and he wanted me to go to the fountain pen i'm like yeah it's too sophisticated but so when i ordered ink for this thing it arrived in a very formal box and like a thank you and congratulations you own one of the best pens in the world. it is a great pen and like the ink never fades and it's just really nice but this pen like always stays here and if I'm at an author event, like I never let this thing out of my sight, uh, but it is well worth it. And it's kind of like a little reward for being a publisher for myself. <laughs> no one bought that for me, but, uh, but anyway, so uh, let's, let's go through the chat. I want to see how you guys are doing here before we get going. Cause I've got a good one today, the Loki. And I added the Loki in my book today. I had it one sentence about the Loki Um and it was a perfect spot. It was about um, the the Danes and this whole thing of Hoogie, H-Y-G-G-E, H-Y-G-G-E, although they pronounce it um, Hoogie. I think it's Hagi, but it's about this mindset of like surrounding yourself with comfortable stuff. And I was able to get like one sentence in there about the Loki, which is a god of chaos. 
because I wanted to be able to refer to it and say that was in my book. So it fit perfectly. Um, so uh, let me go over here to the to the chat before we get going. Hey, look at this. Gosh darn safety doc post in his own show. Yes, if you can subscribe. It's ironic because like at this point, subscribership, while I appreciate it, I appreciate all of you, is like Google just ignores that. They're like, we are not giving you any more watch hours, doc. Not until you shave. And I'm like, I'm not going to because this kind of looks good. I like this. Ah, that is a very good mystery drink. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I like this. I actually kind of like it graying out a little more. Um, so, but yeah. So, um, Vanessa says, Hey, I'm doing great. You're doing good. Thank you. I want you to be doing great. I made it through another video. So good. I don't want it to be like this. Oh my God, I got to make it through all these doc videos. Um, because I want it to be like a fun, exciting thing. But I do think, I mean, the shows are, there's a lot of fun shows out there. And the Face Validity Fridays are, are really um, hitting the mark. Like that's, I think there's a big need for that. So um, I'm, I'm looking, and it actually, it's a great, it's a great way to start my Fridays. Because <laughs> otherwise I probably wouldn't have a super productive Friday. So it gets me up in the morning and kind of focuses me in. So that's good. Um, let's keep going down here on, uh, on, Comments. Uh, hey, Walter's in the house. Hey, Walter. Appreciate it, buddy. Um, Jim wrote, um, well, wait a second. Let's go first up here. Uh, Grilling and chilling with Mojo. I checked out your channel. I, I honestly wish I had the ability to cook like you do. Um, the, you know, the, the, the home chef type quality. I loved it. Um, if there if there was one thing I could go back and I suppose it's never too late to learn. Right. But if there was one thing I could go back in time um, and learn, it would be cooking. Like I would, I would spend my, my, I think I would have loved it, you know, to have done that. And again, I guess it's not too late as I, but um, I, anyway, your, your channel rocks. Like I saw you got a nice setup there where you got the camera and then the, the guest on the side stuff. So it's really good. Um, Jim wrote one snow thrower. I couldn't find uh, find a replacement tire. The little ones I give to my sister. No idea if it's still around. See, so, yeah, I have um, um what the hell a Toro uh, snow snow blower, and then um, so I can change the chute from up above. And it's not like a real big one, but it's not a small one either. It's kind of like a medium. And I always run True Fuel in it that I buy at um, Home Depot. So this stuff is. Um, it's four cycle fuel, true fuel, four cycle. And I've never had a carburetor issue after that. Like I've always had to clean the carburetors out and stuff like that. But, um, and it gives more horsepower, you know, just to, it can throw stuff like <laughs> clear across the yard. Um, and so, uh, but yeah, I know that's one of the things about Wisconsin. There's not a lot of perks here in winter, but I'm telling you, like to use a snowblower, it's a, it's a old man's toy. I mean, I just love it. And like I said, I've had my snowblower for, I don't know, 12 years at least. I think longer than that. And, um, you know, and in summer, like I will actually take the snowblower and I'll kind of wax, <laughs> I'll wax up the sides and stuff because, you know, I, in winter they salt the roads here. So if you're out there snowblowing and stuff, um, you know, I don't want rust to get out. I actually sanded off a little rust this year and repaint it uh, part of the snowblower 
but I don't know. That's a sign of a guy who has way too much time on his hands. Um, so Bacon's wrote, wrote to uh, MKJO, my hope for more snow keeps the idiots off the road. How are you doing? Yeah. I'm, I, my Buick, um, lacrosse is horrible in snow, horrible. So, um, yeah, I, <laughs> I will not take that out, um, in snowy weather. Uh, it's a terrific vehicle, you know, but a big 300 horsepower engine with wide tires and low profile. And I even put, you know, put new tires on it just to try to gain more traction. And that didn't make a big difference, made a difference, but so our other vehicles an all wheel drive SUV. So that can handle all the stuff better, but, uh, but yeah, so, uh, man against the masses. How's the roads out there at bacon? So, you know, so like our roads have all melted. Everything's fine here. Although it's going to be in the twenties and like, you know, those back roads and stuff will, will ice over, but like I've lived in Wisconsin my whole life. So it's not that big of a deal. Like when I grew up, there were snow drifts that literally would get to the height of, uh, once it would plow in the country, they would get to the height of the wires, the telephone wires, they would get that high. Like that was, that was very common in January and February going out to my friend's places and the snow would drift. And then also the plows and stuff would, would get the snow up. So I don't know what, 25, 30, 35 feet. I mean, I'm not exaggerating. That was the way that it was. And, um, you know, I, I was just conditioned to drive in, you know, snow, <laughs> I had snow and cold and ice and stuff like that. And, and I've kind of lost that a little bit, even though, you know, I've never left Wisconsin, but, my God, I'm thinking back then. I'm like, how in the world did we did it? You know, do it with those rear wheel drive Pontiac Bonnevilles and stuff like that. So, um, Swamp Dog, our good buddy. So, let me kind of got a mini bar going over here. And oh, geez, that was not a good decision. So, we have, we have something uh, phenomenal uh, going on right now here in the safety doc world and uh i am i am in the midst of uh i'm on the doorstep Ooh, this doesn't look yes this looks a little iffy i'm on the doorstep of um making the super uh, making the super bowl in my fantasy football league look at this i'm in two leagues um one i've been with the same guys 25 years in this league i won it i think twice last time was 2014 and I am one half away from being in the Super Bowl after being like a fifth seed. So I had to win like a couple playoff games already to get in. So this would be big because it's a pay league and I'd make a little bit of cash coming out. And the other league, it's the first time ever I've been in it six years um, with some coworkers, former coworkers. Um, and I made the Super Bowl there. So I could be playing for two Super Bowls next week. So just a hell of a thing. But this is the big league. Um, this twenty is a lot of pride, you know. With these guys kind of bust your chops. My college, college friends and stuff like that. So, uh, so yeah, I played the number one seed this week, and I it looks like I'm going to be able to get the win. So I'm telling you here, don't and thank you for uh, watching the Safety Doc Show. We do have a show coming up, believe it or not. Um, but I want to uh, let me give you a real time. Uh, score here of where i'm at in the uh safety doc here so my name my team name is rick and morty 
Uh, I am leading 174 to 154, and uh, there's one half to go. So with the, the guy has one player going for the Miami Dolphins. They have one half to go. So there's a there's a very good chance here. I am uh, what is the computer predicting? I'm I'm 99% chance to advance to the Super Bowl. So it's a hell of a thing here for Rick and Morty and the safety doc to go to the Super Bowl. Hell of a thing. So um Swamp Rope, proofing is more of a final layout, print sample page by page, and not about actual words, right? You're absolutely right. Yeah. So I did capture because I knew I wouldn't have access to that. Um and I can't show like too much of it, right? Because it's proprietary stuff, but um, it is. So there is so much that goes into a nonfiction scholarly work. Uh, once it's done, you have to go through your uh, peer reviewers who have to approve that the content is valid in the, in the work itself, right? You go through a citations editor. I had somebody who just fully worked on citations, 471 citations in the book, making sure that all of them were correctly cited. And that sounds maybe easy. It's not, you know, Chicago style citations. Some of the stuff was coming out of Russia. I mean, I interviewed Nikolai Razavai, so we had Russian to Poland to English to Russian and, uh, and stuff. And, and then all the permissions you have to get for all the graphics and the people you interview and the transcriptions. And, um, but the proofing stage then is they put everything together and then they have questions. Like I have a sheet here with, you know, questions and, and, uh, you go through and you answer the questions, you go through and do an additional proof and you look at the layout of where the images are and questions with that or questions with like, did this sentence read how you wanted it to read? Like, I mean, the way that she wrote it. Um, and the graphic stuff, I did more graphics in this book. There are like 20 graphics at least. And some of them I professionally made. And I had them made for six by nine trims. So the publisher tends to put them in a, a smaller. And then I, you know, had to go back in the proofs and say, no, these were made to be full page. Like they will completely scale one to one full page six by nine. So they have to be because there's a lot of stuff in them and they make a timeline. And if you don't go left, right, left for the note, left for the image, right for the note description, and the next page left for the image. And, and so like every left page for four pages, we create a timeline. So there's a very specific way this has to look. So, you know, it's, there's all this layout that goes into it, right? And uh, there's an AP press release. So we've been updating that this week and made a few tweaks to that. So that'll come out on April 11th. And I mean, it's a big thing. It's a really big thing. Um, it's, it's exciting, right? Uh, but yeah, the proof stuff is, uh, extremely, um, extremely tedious on how stuff gets laid out. I'll, I'll go through that and spice it up, you know, and, and cut it in and out and show you some things and, and do a show on that. Uh, but people, yeah, Swamp, I think you're right though. People think it's, it's just like your proofreading stuff and that's done way, <laughs> way, way in advance of that. Um, Vanessa said, I tried tractor supply for tires if needed. Good luck. Um, we have a tractor supply in our town, by the way, where I get my gloves, like a deerskin glove, which I love. Um, hey, Walter. Da -da 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 it's our good friend, Walter. It's going. It's baking. It's donuts in the snow. Man, it was old Sears. Weird. So I'll tell you. Yeah, I didn't you sure. Yeah. Sears. Um, 
uh, snow thrower. Yeah. I like my Briggs and Stratton. It had a, it had a weird engine on it. It was a couple of years. I did this Tecumseh. I don't know. So I had to rebuild the carb and some other stuff, but once I did that, then it was fine. But it's, it's just really, I don't, I forget what the hell the name of the engine was that they did on this thing. Um, I personally think they made them better back then. Like, I think the one I have now with the rebuild is really good. I wouldn't want to get rid of it. Um, but it had a, it has a really strange kind of short run engine. So, um, Mary Omicron Delta's gift to you. No kidding. We had relatives who were supposed to come up to our place for Christmas and they contacted us and said, Oh, we all tested positive. So I'm like, so we have a lot of food now and we kind of did this brunch thing. So we have a hell of a lot of pancakes up in the fridge, like a lot of pancakes. I'm not a big pancakes guy, but apparently that's where things are going for this week. The mass is not as gnarly as last night was. So bacon, I thought your show <laughs> last Friday or something. Got pretty wild, man. Um, so, but, uh, uh, send me an email uh, when you can. Did you win something on my channel? I need your what? Oh, to Walter. Okay, I'm like, did I win something on Swamp Dog's channel? Because Swampy had like a thousand dollar rifle or something. I'm like, yeah, I won it. Swamp, send it my way. So, um, but yeah, um, that's cool. You should get an email this week too, man. Well, good job. Swampy's going to take off. That guy's got great content. He's a student of social media understanding this um so yeah hi um walter at swamp i don't recall winning on your channel so you wanted dlds uh bacon i think winter of 86 87 tacoma 8 10 inches of snow wow you look more like a cartoon version with a light beard so yeah <laughs> it's funny because up in up in the corner see it says the safety dock up there in the little box and then i actually have um, right there. So that is a cartoon of me that was made by RJ Jones. And uh, RJ like has just disappeared. Like you made that a couple of years ago. So it's in my Twitter account. So that is a safety doc cartoon. So, but yeah, this logo was made by Larry Roberts, like, I don't know, four or five years ago. That's kind of vintage. And because it's on everything and it's just, it's easy to recognize. I just kind of stick with that. Um, so there's a good guy. Swamp Dog, copy that. Thanks for the honesty. I'm always up for barters. So um, your shows are always great homework. Uh, glad to watch. Thank you, Vanessa. Thank you very much. Media control, Omicron, something makes an anagram. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, man against the masses. So, uh, so let me go through here. And then uh, Swamp Dog, I actually enjoyed chopping, splitting fire by hand. One of the... Only things I miss about living up north with the snow. Yeah, I do. I enjoy that. Um, yeah. So I've got a fire going right now. Heat my house with wood. <laughs> it's kind of weird because relatives stop here for Christmas. Like they all show up and they just don't do that. Right. Like they're somewhere from California and, you know, whatever. And I'm like, so when, when you have a fire and you heat your house with wood, it's a big thing for people who don't have fireplaces. Um, or live in warm weather climates. And then, you know, immediately they're like, oh, it's like too hot. And you're like, oh, yeah, it's, it's a process, you know, like it'll heat up and then I'll let it 
burn down and then the wall which is made of stone will start to heat up and radiate and then i'll just control the the flu and stuff like that i'm like i don't worry about it but and then honestly they uh, they wanted to see the wood pile so which is like 11 cords of wood in my fireplace room so there's this you know passageways on both sides to get and they're just like blown away like oh my god i mean because some of these people have camped you know where they've got a bundle of wood but they've never seen you know like 11 cords of wood and they're like did you stack this i'm like yeah do you have a way to get it down here? i'm like i carry it down here that's how it gets down here um so yeah it's just kind of funny you know because oh my goodness well, what kind of wisdom like it's oak it's like there's some red oak in here and i said there's a tree that fell in our house and there's a little bit of birch <laughs> just because i cut one down but i'm like yeah oh my god this is i mean like they're taking pictures of it like i can't i'll have to show people this how do you see how do you i'm like you could actually run into this like full speed and this pile wouldn't fall over i'm like i crisscrossed everything it's really good like don't worry about it you're all you're good um so yeah it was a big thing like we had relatives from california like they just they were blown away by this <laughs> i'm like well i'm glad that you could see this i'm not one to scam giveaways but i'm Great about not winning, so fair enough. So uh, let's check, and then these, these are great. Um, Mac and, uh, Jim McIntosh used to drive in glare ice in the early 90s, 1979 Caprice, no computer anywhere in the car. I miss it. Yeah, I, you know, I I had a confidence and I was successful. I only ditched my um, LeBaron once in the snow, um, and because I was trying to go through a drift too fast and it spun the car around i wasn't hurt or anything and their far farmer like pulled me out for like 10 bucks um but i had a my duster was lightweight and that would would slide a lot that wasn't a good car on snow um but yeah so i mean like i said the vehicle we have now our primary vehicle all will that's the first all-wheel drive vehicle we've ever had that suv first one so i'm 50 <laughs> first first all-wheel drive vehicle we've had um you know even though we live up, up in the snow so uh robert's uh it's rumor zero weight oil gives your vehicle plus two rear wheel drive traction zero weight oil is is uh, underrated like you know in the future there'll be specials about under of zero weight oil the magic of zero weight oil so um andrew's saying hillary had a 99 percent yeah i remember that <laughs> so um i love splitting wood so yeah, you know when you cut, yeah, when you cut your own firewood, you warm yourself twice. I did a show; it's a podcast. You can go watch it, right? Um, stacking firewood. There's something cathartic about that. When I would have ten cords of wood that I need to bring in the basement, and then kind of figure out how I'm going to lay it out, and then how I'm going to stack it, um, or, you know, be able to rotate the new wood, old wood, stuff like that. Um, I need to actually do a video on that sometime, and then just like speed it up, right? Um, but it is a cathartic process. You have to, you know, each piece of wood, you're kind of figuring out how you put this jigsaw puzzle together of wood. And it takes days, and then finally it gets done, and it's this, this creation. And it's this start-to-end process. Like, we just don't have enough of those today. We don't have enough things where it's tangible. We get into it, and then we're done with it, and we can see a tangible result. You know, too much of this stuff is just theoretical, stuff like that. But if you're stacking wood, it's not. So... All right, so let's get into um, let's get into today's show. We're only thirty-one minutes in, but before we do that, here let's do a halftime update. Appreciate all of you very much. Uh, appreciate the comments. Like there've been a lot of comments in the shows. 
Um, and that has been absolutely great. So yeah, I sincerely appreciate that. And I've been responding, or at least I've tried to respond to as many of your posts as, as possible. So we are at the half here. I'm one half away. Uh, the current score is 174.56 to 154.6. So I did lose minus 9.25 points by having Los Angeles as my defensive chargers. But um, it's looking pretty good. So this guy would have to score 20 points here in the second half to defeat me. Uh, otherwise, And he's first place. Otherwise, I'm head to the Super Bowl. Might happen yet during the show. I can't believe it, for God's sakes. I honestly can't believe it. So... Robert. Um, so yeah, today's show is um, today. Today's show is uh, the Loki. So let me let me just put this this up here. So um, right here, kid. Okay, there we go. Here it is. Okay. So the Loki is uh, Norris. Uh, God of chaos. And um, so kind of the running, the running thing is uh, that you blame the Loki. Oh, the Loki did it. It's kind of like a leprechaun, right? You know, Oh, the leprechaun who like would fix your shoes at night. I guess the leprechaun did it or whatever. But in, in Norse uh, mythology, the Loki was to blame for chaos, right? Is a God of chaos of things, you know, storms, um, crops went to hell, things like that. You blame the Loki, but there's a contemporary side to this. Um, right now, this whole this whole thing of blaming the Loki. So let's just get familiar with that. What is blaming the Loki? Blaming the Loki is just the straw man argument of or blaming it on this, even though this really wasn't the cause of it. Maybe a secondary cause or something like that, but it wasn't the cause. So about Loki. So, um. Loki again is a mythical Norse chaos god. You can Google, you know, Loki. It kind of comes up like this god dressed like a green and stuff like that. But is he's mischievous? He's a trickster. He's a shapeshifter. He's evil. Um, but above all, he is responsible for chaos. So um, the thing is, you know, the Loki. You know, a thousand years ago, if you're like blaming the Loki, it was a way to explain things away. Oh, the crops were bad or we had a flood. It was the Loki's fault. The Loki did this, right? So it's a it's a pretty easy way to move on with your life without really thinking about things and analyzing things. Oh, the Loki did it. So, um, yeah, the thing is now we're in a scientific age where the Loki obviously doesn't apply <laughs> at least as much, right? Um, so what is happening right now as a contemporary low key, people are blam blaming the pandemic. The pandemic has become the low key, right? And they're saying, oh, because of the pandemic, we have store smashing grabs. People can't get what they, they need or what they, they want or whatever. So, um, they've been denied. So we, the pandemic is causing this. It's the low key. The pandemic is causing the weather, the tornadoes in Kentucky, which were horrible, by the way, in Tennessee. And I know people down there and I contacted them and I was talking to them this week. And I'm like, how has the response been from the federal government? And they're like pretty non-existent. 
I mean, which is, I'm not smiling about that, but I'm like, it's it's not anything different than what I've heard from Cajun Navy Relief and Katie Pichon and Cajun Navy Army and or Cajun Army, stuff like that, is this wasn't going to happen. Like, that was, that's kind of a face validity Friday thing. It's like the, the, the U.S. should have, maybe like out of um, Fort Bragg, for example, because Fort Bragg does the Robin Sage uh, trainings where, um, they, they train you for if you're encountering hostile or distressed civilian populations, how to respond, how to navigate with them to kind of restore control over the situation. Uh, we should have a standing um, kind of national, I don't know, this is my opinion. I think we should have a standing national um, response force of 2,000 people, a mili- like military and specialized training maybe out like Fort Bragg and, and then they, they are dispatched. I mean, I, maybe like a FEMA operation. I don't know. FEMA's pretty messed up, but um, when stuff like this happens and they go down for 30 days or 21 days and they stabilize the situation, you know, whatever they can. And, you know, but this whole thing of like, you know, cause again, I talk to people who live there who literally live eight miles away from the path of the tornado. They're like, yeah, there's nothing. <laughs> there's, there's, I mean, there are civic groups coming in and helping out and things like that. But as far as like a national federal response, forget it. Not happening. Um, So, which really sucks. Imagine Christmas pandemic and, you know, this tornado coming through. But so anyway, um, so what one of my friends said down there, though, um, in Kentucky he said, Dave, there's, you know, we we're talking about this Loki thing. There's, he said, there's a Loki thing. There are people who feel like this is just a consequence for us because of the, of the global warming, right? You know, this is going to happen because of global warming. You better get used to it. So the global warming is now the low key because you blame it. And then and the low key is, you know, you, it can't counter argue back, right? You can blame anything on the low key. It's, like, oh, it's just, it's global warming. Like you got, you got what is going, not necessarily what you deserve, right? But you got what is going to happen because of global warming. This is a consequence. Get used to it. And, uh, and that's so horrible. It's just awful to say. Um, so yeah, the low key has been, so the pandemic is a low key. It's been blamed for smashing grabs. It's been blamed for uh, these obscure weather events. Um, it's been blamed for inflation, empty store shelves, everything. So it's it's easy to blame the low key because the low key is fictional, right? Although the pandemic's real, but the pandemic is now taking on the theme of low key. Like it's you can't it can't argue back to you, so you can just like blame as much on it as you want on it. So um, you know is is just crazy. So let's so the low key itself, L O K I, the low key is mythical. The low key um, is is from uh, Norse, you know, uh, mythology, and basically, you know, again, responsible for um, you know trickery, evil, negative things happening, or whatever. So it was, you know, this basically things you couldn't explain that were negative, you could assign to the the Loki. Uh, So that's where it comes out of. But again, it has this contemporary thing. And we have, and you know people that do this, right? And so this is why it's important with my my book, The Velocity of Information, things like that. And and for all of you, like that you know people that do this. Don't let people blame the Loki. 
Like you've got to take responsibility and account accountability. You can't just say, oh, it's a scapegoat or it's this. And, and then it's just, you just dismiss it. You take no responsibility. And it's like, that's, you can't do that. Welcome, Shelly Rogers. Welcome. Um, you can't do that. You can't let people do that. It's, it's, it's so much of an easy pass to be a low-key blamer. Um, so, yeah, that's what people are doing now. So, yeah, pandemic. Oh, I can't find a job. Or the hours aren't what I want. Or the job isn't what I want. Or, yeah, the stuff is out of stock. You know, it's the pandemic and things. Well, you know. So, you can't do this. Like, you shouldn't do this. It's bad. I think it's just a, a weakness. It made, again, you could see it a thousand years ago when we didn't have really as much of a scientific method. And people are like, I don't know. Crops pissed it out. So, low key. So, low key. And then you just moved on. Like, it was one of those things that once you assigned it to the low key, then you just moved on. And then you did what you had to do. And now people just dwell in this, right? They just dwell in this excuse zone. And then they add more things to the excuse and more things to the excuse. But there is no excuse for you. Well, that's in ghost plan. There's no excuse for you to not buy the most honest book about the school safety industrial complex right here. Folks, it is our book, School of Errors, Rethinking School Safety in America. I wrote this. Um, I knew it would be the end of my administrative career to be the whistleblower on the truth. Um, it is the best book out there. It's the most honest book about the $3 billion school safety industry. And it's, yeah, um, these are really well-made. They're sewn covers from the publisher, right? So if you have it, like it's going to last. The pages aren't going to fall out. It's in hundreds of libraries across the world. It's, you know, about a two-night read. A lot of interviews, really vibrant, punchy style, but if you want to know how schools work, if you want to know how taxpayer dollars are being sent in schools, spent in schools for safety things, this is the book for you. Um, I also have a terrific section in here when I was analyzing and working with the people in New York City, the Department of Planning on the 9-11 rescue of 500,000 people by boat in nine hours. How did that happen? Talk about it in School of Errors, Rethinking School Safety America. It's on Amazon and other places that sell books. If you do have this book or obtain this book, it's in libraries all over the place too. Tell your library, hey, we want this book. Um, please leave a review. So the more reviews, the better, especially with the new book coming out, School of Errors, Rethinking School Safety in America. So we go back to this whole thing of the low key, um, and I think it's an important thing to know, right? Because... You can blame stuff on anything, right? Um, on a pandemic or on global warming, right? Um, so one of the things is it's an easy way to offload your personal accountability or as a government, your accountability or as a state, your accountability or whatever. So it's an easy offload. Um, and there's also this thing called that plays into this really closely. It's called the straw man fa fallacy, right? The straw man. So what, what is the deal with the straw man? Um, it's usually called a straw man argument. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to post it over here in the chat. So what is a straw man argument? And then I'm going to get to the, uh, over to the chat in just a second here. Um, so 
This thing called the straw man argument or the straw man fallacy. There are four steps to it, and it, it goes really hand in hand, just like this with the Loki. Um, the first thing with the straw man fallacy, I'm going to give you an example of this in just a minute too, but the first thing is um, you ignore the real argument. So let me use this scenario. So for my book, uh, The Velocity of Information, um, so The Velocity of Information, um, Kevin Dalton wrote an endorsement for it, running for mayoral a position with the city of Los Angeles, 2022. One of the things that, that he wrote about was, you know, he's like, if you're, if you're jacketless, right, we can give you a jacket. And now you, the problem is solved. If you're homeless and we give you a home that doesn't solve the issues of homelessness, which is having to do with, you know, income and, um, you know, possibly substance abuse treatment and, and all these, these other things that go with it, mental health. So let's look at a straw man fallacy and let's just take this, what's happened out in Los Angeles, for example. Um, ignoring the real argument. So let's say it's homelessness. So the straw man argument, so that's the first part, you ignore the argument. Homelessness, no, we don't have a homelessness problem. Second, we're gonna create a pretend problem. The pretend problem is we don't have enough micro houses. We don't have enough of these tiny 10 by eight houses that we can put on some lot and people can live in. That's the problem. We don't have that. If we have that, then uh, people have a house and then they're no longer homeless and we have no homeless issue. The third is you defeat the pretend argument, which is happening in Los Angeles right now. They're creating these little tiny eight by 10 homes on a trailer or whatever and put them out in these areas and put people in. So they have like a community bathroom and whatever. Um, and they're saying, now we've solved it. We've solved homelessness. And Nick Johnson over on his channel, uh, to Nick Johnson, um, has gone and interviewed people there uh, in these in these micro home communities. But And then you claim victory over that argument. Oh, we've defeated homelessness because now we have these micro 8 by 10 homes, which people are in. And you're like, well, okay, right? <laughs> but you haven't, it's a straw man argument. Instead of tackling the issue of homelessness, you've just said, we're going to do these micro homes. So it hasn't addressed drug dependency, um, jobs, finances, whatever it is going on. Um, if it's not having enough homes in general, if it's, if it's government, you know, uh, policy on the number of, you know, housing units that can be, it's interesting too, like you research, it's like a lot of homeless people have jobs, <laughs> especially like Nick and Nick Johnson interview people. But so again, the straw man argument kind of comes in with the low key, like you can blame stuff, but you can, you can find something to blame it on. So, um, yeah. And, and this is, this is happening in like that Kentucky area right now. Again, my friends down there have said, you know, we're kind of getting blamed. What, what's happening now is there's blame being placed on the billing codes of saying, oh, people should have required storm shelters or basements, and then we wouldn't have this issue, I guess, of fatality. Well, you still have issues of damage, right? Like you still, I, I guess, like that kind of contributes, but that's, that is a straw man fallacy of saying, the, you know, you're, the real argument here is, well, things like this happen, right? Like, storms that could happen anywhere. It's more about then how you have to have your state and federal response to this to support people. 
you know, there, the the shift that is happening on the ground that you're not hearing about in the media is kind of a blame game of saying, well, you could have had this put in or for how many thousands of dollars, like an underground shelter, or if the building codes would include this, then we wouldn't have had the loss of life. And it's like, okay, but again, that's not, and that really the, the, that doesn't change things, right? It's not the, it's not the argument. So, and then, you know, you can defeat that by passing legislation of saying, Hey, everybody here is required now to have an in-ground storm shelter. Um, so, and claim victory, we've defeated, you know, tornadoes. So it's just, uh, it's just weird. So let's, let's go over to the, uh, Shelly Rogers, Nick Johnson. I love Nick Johnson. He's, I absolutely do. So isn't it cool? Like that we have YouTube. I'm just like, so amazed every day of, of the gift of YouTube and, and the professional creators and, you know, how they, they create, you know, they make this content, they come up with this and they commit their lives to it and, or just gift it by, and they're not beholden to corporate advertisers. Yeah. I mean, a lot of them monetizing their channels. I, um, in my book, I had, um, Juan Brown who has uh, 300,000 YouTube subscribers, but Juan sent me an email and, and said, um, he actually has 3000, uh, Patreon followers who subscribe monthly. I don't know what they pay, but so that's what supports him going up in his plane and doing his other, his other things. But, um, but I'm like, Holy smokes, man, that's pretty cool. But, you know, look at what one contributes. Um, I mean, for the Orville dam, my God, the guy was worth millions to what he, uh, prompted in action and, and knowledge and things like that. So, um, Bitter, very bitter. Um, so, uh, true feel. Okay, a little bro, two stroke, two stroke. Yep, I've got a uh, two stroke uh, leaf blower, so I keep my gas on different sides of the garage. So, <laughs> so hopefully, never mix them up. Um, that would be bad. So, Swamp Dog said, I actually enjoyed chopping and splitting firewood by hand. One of the only things I miss by living on Earth. So, yep, true, but I appreciate it. Um, so, all right, here we go. Jim wrote, my folks have an older GMC Envoy showing its age, but still good in snow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we have, we have three months of the year here where we have snow and then because it gets cold, it doesn't, you know, they can plow it off the roads, but the roads are still snow covered because it's 20 degrees or zero degrees or sometimes, you know, usually like early February, you'll get like two weeks or it'll be like minus 20. And at that time, like, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't, it just doesn't go away. Front wheel drive cars will perform best in snow driving in reverse. I didn't know that Walter. So, um, yeah, I love my lacrosse, but my lacrosse is not made for snow or ice. Absolutely not. <laughs> I will just, I will just will not go out with that car, um, in those conditions. Um, so, Vanessa, the deepest snow I've ever seen was when I was stationed across plains, 20 plus feet of snow. So I've never had anything like that that I remember. Um, I remember blizzards of, um, you know, probably six feet of snow in northern Wisconsin. Hey, it's Woke Chewy. So, it is our good friend Woke Chewy. So, um, 
Hey, buddy. I appreciate uh, you being here. So, this is Woke Chewy. All right. Jim McIntosh wrote, I used to drive on clear ice in the 90s. It was 79 Caprice. So, I think I read that one already, but it's still completely awesome. Um, here we go. So, I am, I'm getting a new mouse and keyboard, and they're both wired, but they only seem to last like a year now, and then they kind of go bad. Um, Swamp Dog said, I'll swap some deer sausage for pancakes. So that, yeah, I'd be up on that venison for sure. Like I have so many pancakes right now. Uh, cold pancakes. Yeah, I've, I've done that. Um, and our microwave doesn't work built in microwave. Every time you open the door, it just starts. So, um, I'm going to buy one from Home Depot and then just change it out because it's not that big of a deal. But I'm like, who the hell designs a microwave where if it fails, it turns on when you open it? Like I've, that's a serious engineering problem. So, yeah, my brother-in-law was checking it out a couple days ago, and he had it open for like 30, 40 seconds. I was like, dude, close it. Like, I'm not sure what's going on here, but I'm like, it's not good. Um, so, uh, so. Um, Swamp Dog Armory wrote against to a man against the masses. That's the email I was referring to. You'll be getting tracking this week. So, all right, Swamp's sending something out. Um, so okay, you guys got something going on here. So, all right, uh, Swamp Dog, I love wood stove heating, and you have to get the humidity right. It's too easy to make things dried out. Easy pan of water on stove. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, you can really mess with the humidity in your house with a wood fired <laughs> if you heat with wood it can lower the humidity significantly in your house so um we actually have a porch that comes off of the main room where the fireplace is so periodically we'll just open up the porch as a, sc a screened in porch and that will kind of rebalance the the humidity and i guess i've been doing this so long you know, i've lived here for 20 years uh but yeah um, you can sense if things start to dry out too much. Um, so it's a good point. Yeah. These are all things like, you know, you just kind of learn second nature of heating a house with wood. Um, so we used our six person toboggan to get our wood pile up. Oh my God. Venice is so cool. So it's very cool. Um, whoa, my goodness. Walter, wait till I see where the meat comes from. Um, Shelly, I miss my Subaru. So, yeah, I've never owned a Subaru. But uh, I'm so glad. Like I guess we have the first uh, all-wheel drive SUV that we've, uh, first all-wheel drive vehicle we've ever had. And immediately it made a difference last week when we had it out. I can make a keyboard last three, five years and take it apart and clean it. So, Zippy, yeah. My mouse, Zippy. Um, so I have a, a Logitech mouse, and the feet of it have basically worn right off. I've had it a year. And I use it on a mouse pad. So, um, you know, it's just not made well. Um, yeah. So I have to get another one because it's just, I'm like, what in the world is going on? Yeah. The feet have just, it's not very abrasive or anything. So, but yeah, my, um, I seem to get about a year right now out of a keyboard and they're all like plug in keyboard too. So, um, sounds like sensors on the board are bad. Yeah. I mean, for, for what it costs for a mouse, I'm, you know, I'm not going to deal with it. But, yeah, we've had a laptop, which 
Um, we had some buttons go out and I was able to fix that with like um, zip ties, like cutting up little pieces of plastic and stuff like that. It's still working well. I've had the same keyboard since too. Andrew, good job, buddy. Yeah, I kind of wish I would have had some of that old school stuff, uh, kept some of the wired keyboards and things. So, um, uh, yeah, I mean, you look at that. Like, a lot of that stuff never goes bad. CRT monitors, phone screens, stuff like that. Um, bacon rope. Got a Panasonic. Get a Panasonic microwave. Doc, I've had my for six years and works flawlessly. So, yeah. I used to have this Amana radar range, which was this huge thing. It used to be really heavy back in college. And like the first place I lived, that thing was awesome, but it took up like a huge amount of counter space. So yeah, we have a GE built in and I don't know, just we bought all the appliances at the same time. And maybe like 10 years ago, everything else is working, but um, yeah. So I'm just like the hell with it. Like I'm, I'm just, I'm going to wait till the holiday season is done. I don't want to get caught up in that mess. And I'll just go. I looked online. There's, I know the one, it would match what we have. Like we have stainless steel appliances. So, um, and it's easy to put in. It just actually has a plug on it. So it's not that big of a deal, but it's just, it's a pain in the ass. And I'm like, why, why would you make a microwave? So when it fails, the moment you open the door, it turns on. EMF radiation generator. So, and we don't use it that much either, but it's just, it's a uh, Vanessa cast iron pot on top of wood burning stove helps humidity keep water in your favorite popper. Yeah. Yep. So, and our house, you know, also isn't airtight, um, which is good. Like by design, I only, we had it, we had steel siding put on, we had the house wrapped in, you know, that whatever the hell house wrap stuff back about 10 years ago. So it's more energy efficient. It's not very, this house isn't very costly to heat because it's a ranch and it's well insulated, but, but we do have enough airflow in and out. Um, and it, it, things hold up pretty well, like with humidity and stuff like that. Um, plus where the bathrooms are, you know, we obviously get humidity from showers, even though you can vent things. And, um, our good friend Sast, one too many who drove in a Suzu Impreza. Um, says in Innovera full size USB 2.0 right hand wired optical mouse slash me for so well you have to email it to me so yeah I'm using my Logitech which this was you and I got this like new and by the way like one of them I bought new and I snipped the cord off because it was packaged <laughs> it was really weird like to open it up like they had the cord right at the top of the package and I was like what the hell so um all-wheel drive, front-wheel drive. So I love all-wheel drive. Replacement feet stickers are a thing, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's And I think the sides of it are kind of going to hell, too, like the rubberized sides. It's just not made that well. And I don't... Um, the safety jack types a lot. I do type a lot. Yeah, I do. So for what it would cost, um, just on the keyboard and the mouse, yeah. But it, you're right. Like, it would be good if it just lasted. Um, Shelly wrote, I accidentally got coffee on my work PC. Even with the USB keyboard, it keeps on glitching out. Yikes. Sorry about that, Shelly. So, Zippy wrote, I had to replace uh, cart monitors more than the flat screens. Oh, Zippy, no. Hey, it's Bolo. It's a good friend, Bolo. Uh, Bolo. 
I am at uh, 1,800 <laughs> hours. So keep watching, Bolo. Please, buddy. And get this. I And I've shared. Like, I, I track every day, and I keep a, I have it written down, my hours. And I've lost hours in the last week. Like, I've lost 50 hours. So, um, yeah, I, I gain 50 subs, and I lose 50 hours. So I said, this is Sisyphus. Every... There are definite forces working against this show. Um, I don't know if it's the topics I cover or stuff like that, because I've somebody told me a couple of weeks ago, go into DuckDuckGo and you'll find out that um, a number, a lot of your stuff, Doc, isn't showing up. So I went in there and it, it says underneath, like it's censored. Like, what the hell? Like that article, things like that. So I, I found an article where I was, I had a tweet that was quoted in this article. You know, they take tweets. And it never showed up in Google search, but it showed up in DuckDuckGo. So, um, yeah. Zippy wrote, my flat screen, 43-inch. I got used to still going strong. Yeah. Awesome, buddy. We still have the original. We still have a, a, a flat screen TV upstairs that's about a dozen years old Samsung. I don't like a 40-inch maybe, man. Yeah, so I got main TV. It work, works well. I mean, we will only upgrade it when it dies. Uh, Shelly wrote, basically, I should clean my house while I wait to get the keyboard replaced. So, <laughs> um, Zippy, last year it broke down and got an RGB keyboard, 70 bucks, and the keys are removable. Holy smokes, I didn't even know that was a thing. So, yeah, I got to look down my keyboard here. Um, Vanessa, my cat hit the current flat screen in too many times, a bright uh, lightning strike through defect goes, oh, down the pulver. Oh, no, sorry to hear that. I upgraded to, um, I have in front of me, I have three 27 inch Dell monitors that I bought in 2019. And uh, I like them. So, yeah, they, they work out great for me. Um, it would be kind of neat to go with a bigger main monitor. And like I said, it, when I have this system eventually rebuilt, I'm going to go six monitors. <laughs> I'm going to stack three up above. So, and then I'll probably go like a big, big monitor up on the wall or maybe something back. I don't know. I've got, I've got plans. Uh, Shelly said, the boss said, I get a one free out of jail card and my cat is to blame. So you bet. Um, mine is a Vizio 1080p. Yeah, I'm running 1080p also. I'm telling you, cats are dicks. Oh, we have three cats. So, and I made, I made a fire tonight just for the cats because <laughs> I sleep in front of it. So I'm down here. 65k. Oh my God. Guys, that's crazy stuff. So, um, so let's get back into the the Loki stuff. Um, so, but before we do that, he, uh, wait a second here. There we go. Uh, bef there we go. Uh, before we do that, we are going to take a a sixty second pause for the cause here. Don't go anywhere. Thank you already here for the thumbs up here for the safety doc show thumbs up and any watch hours you can give it's um pushing a boulder uphill here trying to get that 2000 hours with 164 shows i appreciate all of you um I, it'd be awesome to be monetized but um yeah it's <laughs> it's a battle so uh crazy stuff here with with youtube so bolos has drank so much beer that delivered a fifth a 60-inch uh, flat screen, no charge off credit card. Oh, my God. Bolo, that's awesome, buddy. So, um, and then, um, Shelly, I do want to chat with you 
my online deviance uh, sometime and just got my technology software for videos is ready at the safe tech and do online education. Yeah, Shelly, absolutely. Um, I, if you just go, you can contact me through the about section here on the channel, send me an email and that would be great. So nobody go anywhere. Robert, keep things going here while we do a very brief uh, pause for the cause and... A must-read for parents, teachers, and taxpayers. Dr. David Perodin has written the most honest book about the $3 billion school safety industrial complex. Attorney James Sibley proclaims, A brave demonstration of speaking truth to power, School of Errors rips the lid off the billion-dollar school safety industry. Using real-world examples of successful responses in desperate situations, David contrasts the expensive window dressings pitched to panic parents with the inexpensive and effective approaches proven to actually work. Read this book before you let your school waste another precious dollar on meaningless safety theater. Buy the international bestseller, School of Errors, Rethinking School Safety in America, now at Barnes & Noble or Amazon. Wow, look at that. Perfect timing. All right. So hopefully that, that was damn compelling to buy that, uh, to buy that book. Oh, my book. So um, let me uh, do a quick update for all of you um, at home here who are wanting an update on my chance, uh oh, on my on my chances here for the uh, possible Super Bowl appearance for the safety doc. Um, let's go here and uh oh, I am now leading one seventy four to one sixty three. Uh, the dude has a receiving touchdown. Oh no. But uh, it's still 99%, so I'm still in there. I lead by 11. That's a, a, a close one. I don't know. Um, man, I am uh, pretty nervous. So I'll keep you posted. This is the first place team, 12 and 2. I was 7 and 7. I had a win last week and win this week to get in. So, be hell of a thing to be in the Super Bowl. I'm already in one Super Bowl, but this is the league of 25 years. So, Shelly wrote, I presented at some social media companies and was uh, Team USA for the Princess Diana Awards. Awesome. Good for you. Wow. It was really good. Very good. Um, wow. For cyberbullying. Wow. Robert wrote, I'm trying to decide what style 1913 stock adapter. I don't know, buddy. A book is coming this weekend. Hardcover. Hey! I'm really excited to hear that. So, um, my book, yeah, the philosophy of information, uh, Vanessa has ordered it. So, and a cool thing too, Vanessa. So if you are a Seinfeld fan, I don't know if you are or you are not, but if you are, 
Mickey Abbott, Danny Woodburn. Remember the episodes with uh, Mickey Abbott in Seinfeld? So there's Mickey. He wrote the forward for the book. So um, it's really cool. So yeah, Mickey Abbott. Um, very awesome. Thanks. Um, I needed, this is Shelly, I needed the license key for downloading it and without having to pay for it. It's like 250 license. So I'm still running Windows 7, by the way, on this main system. I'm going to update at some point to 10 or 11. And then I've just got to deal with what that's going to mean. Because I'm not sure I have license keys for everything I'm still running on here. So I don't know. Um, I used to teach as well. So I get the dysfunctional. <laughs> Save Jack. Yes. Um, Walter wrote, Doc, I've got to run. Looking forward to the next episode. Cheers all. Hey, Walter, I appreciate it very much. Take care, buddy. Um, so take care. Uh, Walter. So, all right. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, thanks. You know, we have 19 thumbs up, which is great. And um, so, um, so let me, so again, you know, the purpose of tonight's uh, show was to get this concept out there of the low key, because I've seen it now in um, articles. I've, I've, people are, are catching on to this, right? And they're using the term low key to describe, um, you know, basically just that they're blaming things on uh, something that is, is uh, a strong, something that can't, not necessarily strong, something that can't defend itself, right? So you're blaming your bad luck on, it's like, you know, blaming it on weather or on the pandemic or, you know, global warming or whatever it is. Um, yeah, the, the uh, yeah, we're blaming it on, solar flares, you know, so whatever. It's goofing up like our communications. Um, so anyway, you know, something that can't, it can't fight back uh, policies or pol politics or whatever. Um, people tend to do this more often. They get really skilled at it. So I think your job, my job is to call people out on this. I did that in school of errors. Like I, I wouldn't let people do the low key on uh, the whole school safety narrative. Um, you know, I would call people out and say, this is bad policy. This is, you know, or, um, also in velocity of information of saying, if you believe you have no control over yourself or, um, your situation, you're going to languish. Like that's going to be long time depression. It's just going to be a sad existence for you. So like that is, um, that's not going to get you anywhere. It's not going to be transitory. It's not going to move you forward. So the low key mentality is extremely defeating and you need to recognize when it happens to yourself. If you feel like you're blaming um, others or blaming, you know, big situations or stuff like that. Um, and you need to observe it in, uh, in people who are trying to kind of use this, um, you know, with you that they are simply, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's their excuse, right? They are, they're doing this. Um, so anyway, you know, the, the whole low key thing is just really, um, it, it's one of those terms, right? I didn't know about a low key until the last couple months. I mean, I started to read articles. I'm like, what is a low key? I didn't know about that. So I start to use it more low key, low key. 
So, um, hey, Vanessa said, I'm talking about video editing software called Camtasia. Found a license key. So I have Camtasia. I have Camtasia 8 and 9. <laughs> so that's what I use to edit anything that I produce. So I like it, actually. It's pretty old school, but I like Camtasia. So, hey, Shelly, so that's cool. Um, every once in a while, I do shows which I pre-release or do premieres on. So there's 60 minutes. So there's some variety. Um, so people who like the, the shorter shows can go in and, and get those. So, um, but yeah. So, so like, what are you guys like uh, blaming your bad luck on? Or have you seen people um, around you, like either employers or family members who just kind of like wash their hands of things? Like, oh, well, you know, it's, that's the policy or that's the thing, or it's the global warming or it's the pandemic. And um, I, have you seen that? And then how do you respond to that? And I, I, I know somebody, you know, one of the, one of our relatives who just basically is, has stopped applying for jobs and things like that, because he's like, Oh, you know, with the pandemic, it's, it'll, it could all just be shut down. Like it could be deemed, um, I could be deemed non-essential if I got here. So like, why should I even try? And I'm like, well, dude, like that's a, I mean, that's a low key mentality, right? You're just blaming the pen. You're saying the pandemic is a reason I'm not going to go out and apply for a job because I could just be deemed non-essential. So this darn pandemic. So, um, yeah, it's just crazy. So right here, having a magnetic hammer sounds kind of Thor. That is Bolo. So remember the hammer on Fix It Felix, uh, Wreck It Ralph? So it was pretty cool. Um, bad luck are just correction points in your journey through life. Yeah. And everybody, I mean, luck is an actual thing, right? I mean, circumstances, where you are at one time. But um, if you get in the habit of blaming um, the, you know, the low key effect, you blame and blame and blame, then it's, you're screwed, right? <laughs> because you don't take accountability. And even if things are, these things are happening, these things are authentic, like a, the pandemic and stuff like that, you have to figure out how to navigate within that. Um, so it's, you know, if you're in Kentucky and the tornado wipes out your town, I mean, it's horrible, but you have, what's your next step? I mean, you can't sit there for 10 months and blame the tornado, right? You have to move forward. So, it's it's just crazy. Um, Shelly, okay, I can I can show your stuff. Um, I figured you knew most educators do. I'm sending you an email. Okay, thanks. Um, Swamps said I gotta head out as well, but y'all be good. Don't forget to hit the like and share button. We can bump up the wash hours. Thank you, Swamp Dog Armory. And Swamp uh, Dog Armory is going places. Uh, really meticulous. Really has this thought out on what he's going to do. Plus, like um, he's such a specialty area too in like talking about how to like process you know your own you know deer meats things like that and it's just a good guy like he's he's really a student of i think the algorithms and um good genuine person so his channel is gonna fly he's gonna take off which i'm happy for that's another thing like you you know if you're genuinely happy for other people that shows like i have i have some of my acquaintances, I guess, friends, like they're genuinely happy for like me or other friends and things that happen. And you get other people who are just like, kind of like bitter, resentful, like, Oh, like, yeah, you know, you got a new vehicle. Well, you know, whatever, it doesn't have this or it doesn't that, or it doesn't, I'm like, well, <laughs> okay. I, you live on a hill. It's too windy. I'm like, well, I just, okay. You don't have to live here, but 
Um, I am just amazed at people who, um, you know, have just take this, this personality, this position, this positionality of, if you're happy, then they're, it, it either is a slight onto them or they need to do something to bring you down. <laughs> so it's one of those two. And it's so obvious, just, yeah, I, I, how to work with negative people. I'm going to do a show on that because I worked in a setting that was extremely toxic. I mean, it was like a Chernobyl of jobs. It was horrible. And I didn't realize that when I was in it, right, until I got out of it. And then I was like able to forensically look at it and say, God, that was a horrible job. That was really bad for me <laughs> on so many levels. And, you know, the infighting amongst people, it just the organization was real bizarre. And, um, but, you know, be happy for other people. Uh, one of the, one of the coolest things, uh, one of my friends, you know, who has, has done very well financially and kind of, you know, life and things like that is, is I'll often just tell him like, I'm really happy for you, buddy. I'm happy. Like, you know, he showed me like this collector car he has and stuff. It'll take a ride. And, um, so I'm like, this is really cool. Like I can, it's just a, it's a neat, it's neat that you're preserving this and I'm happy for you. Um, and yeah. And he's like, you know, not everybody takes that position. Like some get jealous or, you know, whatever. And I'm like, oh, um, so I, Andrew, applying for jobs is worse than working job. So yeah, thankfully I haven't had to do that for a while. I had to upgrade, I had to update my resume last night. Um, I'll go through that in just a second. So yeah, um, I am applying. Well, I'm not really applying for a position. I that wouldn't be genuine to say that. But um, there is a a position with Health and Human Services, a government appointed position on a committee um, that I've I was made aware of by somebody prominent in the safety and medical field over the Christmas break and said, Hey, like, I think this, you'd be a good match for this. And it's, um, like it's a, a point of position. Like I wouldn't have to leave my town or anything, but, um, but it'd be working like it's, it'd be federal government. And, uh, so I made the, I had to update my resume last night <laughs> and I left a few things out. I'm like, Oh God, like I haven't had to do this for a while. And I'm just like, yeah. Um, so we'll see, we'll see what happens with that. If anything develops a lot more, out on that, but, uh, but yeah. So, um, again, it doesn't mean I'm, it's not like a job really or anything, but it, it would mean that I would be like a federal appointee, um, in some kind of a disaster chaos management thing. So I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty sure I would have probably got it <laughs> if I just would have known about the original deadline. I didn't even know it was out there. So, all right. Um, yeah, it was kind of funny. Bowler wrote, politeness is Canada's yoke. It's a poison, but it works. Yeah. I try to be polite. Um, I actually had the person we bought our appliances from in summer, our washer dryer, uh, sent me an email. He's like, you were just like, you and your wife were just so polite. Like, I just want to say thank you. Like, I've done this job quite a few years and not, not a lot of people. So we were up in Superior Duluth. We are in Duluth at Canal Park a couple of years ago. More than like five 
eight years ago with our kids. It had to be at least that long because we had a stroller for our youngest. And uh, we ate at a famous Dave's. And when we got done, like the the waiter said, like, you guys are just so nice. Like, <laughs> I just have to tell you, like, you're nice. You're like, your kids are nice. Just like the way, because like, you know, and I'm like, isn't, I'm like, this is just typical us. Like, he's like, oh God, like is, you know, working this job, people come in, they get, you know, they're short tempered, they're angry. I was like, you know, five plus years ago. So I'm like, oh, I'm like, sorry. I'm like, sorry to hear that because people shouldn't be that way. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, how does one live without working and income is necessary, Vanessa? So, yeah, it's a good question. So, yeah, I'm kind of retired. So I've got that kind of hint. I don't know if you're asking me. <laughs> so I'm sorry, Vanessa. Um, uh, Swamp Dog Armory, Wreck-It Ralph was awesome. The original Wreck-It Ralph was awesome. I agree. And the second one became politically correct. First one was awesome, though. Oh, God, that was a good movie. Um, yeah, I, and I saw it in the theater with my kids because at that time they were young and into that type of stuff. So we all got to see it and get nachos and popcorn and the big sodas. And, uh, and we still we have the DVD. I actually get this, guys. I have the one and only Wreck-It Ralph right here. So, yes, on my desk. Um, yeah, so I have Wreck-It Ralph. That was a good movie. It was really Really well done. Uh, Vanessa wrote, uh, just stand at a red light and collect cash. So, yeah, like on uh, Friday Face Validity. What was that? What city were they doing that? Um, okay, sent you an email. Don't read it. Here, just read it Gotcha. So, oh, my goodness. It is Vibon Collage, Sister Nine on the Line. I don't know if this is this. So, this is where my... my um, blue wrenches need to figure out what's going on with this because this to me looks like spam. <laughs> so if you need to go in and stomp this person out for, you know, 120 seconds or whatever, do it. Shelly Rogers. Awesome. Thanks. Uh, bye Swampy. Yeah. The Debbie Downers. <laughs> Debbie Downers. Yeah. You know, in what I, it got to me for a while, the Debbie Downers and, uh, the older I got, like the more, and, and actually as I got out of like the toxic job, but I realized that's just people reflecting their, their it's a, what their own experiences are. Like they're unhappy and they're just rating that out to you. <laughs> and, you know, then it's kind of easy. It's easier to deal with it and dismiss it. Um, and again, I understand these positions like, if you're in management versus, you know, if you're working, like it's harder to do that, but yeah. Um, it's people just, you can easily read the people of just how, um, yeah, you know, what it is, what it is for them. Um, so, all right. I am doing an update here live. Uh, we have, uh, I am leading 174 to 168. There's 14 minutes to go in this game. And uh, this is, it's going to be a close one. Oh my God. It's so bad because I lost nine points by starting Los Angeles defense. So I wouldn't have started anything. I would have probably easily won this game. Oh, this is for an appearance in the Super Bowl, folks. I am, uh, I'm hanging in there. It's a battle of the clock right now. So, Ah, uh, 
So, I don't know. I would have, oh, man. So, anyway, it's Miami and New Orleans. I don't know. If I could hang on and get this. I was a 99% chance to win. Now I'm a 92% chance. So, oh, this isn't good. 12 minutes, 58 seconds away from the safety dot. Going to the Super Bowl. So, is our good friend Armitage. Hey, Armitage. Hey, buddy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Exactly. So, yeah, I am going to do a show on that, uh, definitely. But um, of how to how to interface with negative people. Um, because it really was a... Um, it, it. We've all dealt with this, right? But um, it got to the point where my... One of my friends who was also doing a similar job said, I think you need to see a work counselor. <laughs> and I didn't even know that existed, right? And I went and I I did, first time ever. You know, this was years ago. Um, and I sat down and was kind of saying, like, here's the situation, like, you know, I'm dealing with. And, like, after the first time, this person's like, yeah, that's a bad setup. And here's some strategies and, you know, um, but yeah, it was it was a bad deal. It was a bad deal, um, and and then you know it kind of it it helped to be validated. But I mean, one of the things he asked is he said, "Well, can you do less? Can you like circumvent some of these things or like not have as much interaction?" I said, "No, because we have like mandatory meetings as a administrative team, and and can you not uh, care as much?" And I said, "Well, but I have to do like my job to the." level I think I can do it so I said so ultimately it was you know I couldn't I wasn't compatible with that anymore Armitage is saying we talk about negative people I'm one of them come on buddy you are not negative you're positive so um, <laughs> remember the old joke what's the difference between this person and a battery a battery has a positive so shell your organizational dysfunction yeah and these are the people in the organization who blame the Lokis it's always it's always some reason why they're bad. Oh, the state's not funding us enough. Or, you know, it's the federal legislation. It's this. It's whatever. Um, so it's always this low-key that they, they... And then they straw man, you know, these things. We're going to do some focus groups. And then we're going to better understand them. Like, that's not going to help you at all. Or I'm going to go to this other country and learn about their education system. And that will help me. I'm like, that's, um, no, that's not an answer. So, um, so yeah, it is, yeah, this whole low key thing is, um, it's, it's also part of negative people, I think, do the low key stuff because they never want to take accountability. Um, bacon roll, it's easy to tear down, not to build. Yeah. I was, I've, I shouldn't say so, but I try to be a bill up person. I really do. I, I try to be a bill up person. Um, and when I was doing school consulting a year ago, pretty aggressively in districts would be like compensatory education. Like, what are we going to do here, Dave? I'd be like, well, I like everybody's dealing with this. And also when I teach my classes, um, I, I tell people, you know, like I'll point things out and I'll never do anything like to embarrass you in class. You know, when I talk about things like your socially distanced fire drills, like that doesn't make sense, but, um, but let's, let's do the build up here. Right. Cause I've been there too. Like all of us have, and, and we're just not going to be those, those people. We're just not going to be the, the teardown people. But yeah, I, I do have that. I do have people 
even kind of close in the family that kind of do that. <laughs> and I'm just, and the thing is like, just don't do that. Like I under, I, I know what you're trying to do. Like, um, I'm not stealing anybody's thunder or anything like that. Um, don't be a tear down person, be a build up person, just be a good person. Like today I could obviously see that my neighbor's driveway was the snow plow went through. Things were plowed in His garbage cans were like out there and they were all kind of plowed in. And I know the guy works for the County as the snow. Well, now as a snowplow driver this time of year. So I'm like, he's probably not around. So I'm like, I'll just clean out his driveway. Like no big deal. It's like right next to mine. And this guy would, you know, if I said, Hey, could you come over, help me move some furniture or like, can I borrow your, your like, you know, lawnmower. So he'd be like, yeah. So it wasn't that big of a deal. It's a build up thing. You just do that. So yeah, I cleaned out everything, moved his garbage cans, blew out all the snow, put everything back. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just, you do that, right? It's just a build up. It's a build up stuff. Um, we all have our own bootstraps, pull them up and get busy. Yeah. Vanessa has a good point. Yeah. I mean, you, there's some point where you're just like, I've got to get to work. Like I've just got to do these things. Um, so still here uh, for now, eating cookies, Swamp Dog. Hey, Swampy's back. God, we have cookies and stuff upstairs like crazy. And uh, so the thing is, I don't, I don't know. I don't really get into the whole, um, uh, all the, the, the Christmas sweets. I'm not really a person that eats a lot of sweets. So when I, this time of year, like if we have a, a big tray of cookies and sweets, it, it just throws me off. Like it's, oh, it's not my metabolism. What the hell? Bacon roll. Why does the cloud always rain on just me? Yeah. People who, who do that. And the thing is like, then you're meant, you know, I ran into so much of that as a school administrator, honestly, like you'd have meetings and people would just like, bring the blame onto themselves. Like they were in the worst position ever. And, and I'd be like, Gee, I, I could only take so much of it. Like it's a radiation. I call it the radiation theory. Like you can only take so much of negative people before you need a break. Unless you're professionally, I guess, doing this. But my neighbor was a psychiatrist and he was nuts. His kid went around and they had called the police. Like this was 10 years ago. But uh, um yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't know. Um, Shelly wrote, in the profession, professional world, I think there's organizational learning and unlearning, either internally or external factors. Yeah, and there's just nasty people. Um, not to, to dismiss people, but I, I mean, there are just some people who are completely nasty and negative and who have to know, I have to know that they are, they are purposely um, undermining you or trying to make people feel bad. I don't know. I, again, the older I get for that and the fact that I'm out of that setting gives me more tolerance um, against it, I guess I would say. Uh, I don't know. I'm, yeah, I just, uh, I don't know. Don't even want to think about it. Um, Shelley wrote the layoffs, uh, firings, internal unlearning, and person leaves the organization on intentional unlearning. So I wrote about this in uh, Shelley in my book, da -da -da, da -da 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 -da. School of Errors, Rethinking School Safety in America. Big section in there 
about institutional knowledge, legacy knowledge, and how we're losing that across all industries, but especially in schools, where we used to have people who would be there for, um, you know, for years, and now they are there for a year. So all this knowledge that was imparted within them is walks out the door with them. So this institutional knowledge. So you have these institutions which really don't have, they're not grounded um, anymore. So Swamp Dog, hey, you dropped two bottles, both break, but one breaks into a pile of useless glass, one breaks into a particularly good shift. <laughs> Armitage, whoa, Armitage, what in the world, buddy? That glass all right. This is both broken bottles are technically also garbage. That is funny. It's our good friend, WizDivision Productions. Welcome to WizDivision. My mother always said, if you ain't got nothing nice to say, then you got you don't have anything to say at all. So, which is right. Sometimes the best thing to say is nothing. It's just to leave the discussion or excuse yourself from it. Um, yeah, I've I've learned that. Um, it's it's. Yeah, I don't know, man. It is it's a weird setup. Like I think now the older I get, like I've just curated my life to have few, fewer of those people around. Some of them are there by <laughs> relation. Um but you it's just like just don't don't be that way. Um you know, it's kind of funny. I was talking uh to some of my relatives and I said I have three friends who are billionaires with a B, billionaires. Three friends who are billionaires. And um, and I said, you know, I hang out with them a couple times a year and they just, I, I said, I'm, they never show off what they have, right. They never, they want to talk about things or maybe they do have something like they have a, they have a car, a vintage car that they've restored or something. And they want to take you in a ride in this, but they, they all, they know about the engine and the transmission and when this was made and all. And so it's this whole historical thing that you're 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 getting from and it's cool it's a school experience it's not someone saying i could sell this tomorrow for two hundred thousand dollars it's not that and i said you, you know um they they worked really hard for what they have none of them they're not lottery winners or anything like that and i said it it is it is an interesting um dynamic to to have uh, a friend or friends like that um but you know, but you look at these people, and and I, I kind of thought this myself. I'm like, I I think I'm their, uh, you know, they have friends, right? But like, you have to be very careful who your friends are because they want to just manipulate you, they or or steal things from you, or try to get money from you, or ask money. Like, I would never do that. Like, even if we go out to eat, and my friend is worth a billion dollars, <laughs> we will take turns paying the tab, or we will split it or something is we don't have discussions about money when i was when i was in my i was about 20 i had a friend who worked for the packers and green bay packers and he was a good friend with many of the players so we went out i'll i'd go over to green bay we'd go out you know friday or saturday and hang out and stuff and with the players and the, the, so they're the same age as us but you know of course they're making a lot of money and the thing was like, you never asked for autographs. You never talked about salary or stuff. Like, you're just like doing stuff. You were just hanging out and it was just so cool. And um, I think that was a good point in life for me when later I got to know some of these, these people. Um, 
you know, so sure, if you want to do you gift me something or you want to do, I mean, which they don't, right? But, but like, I'm just excited for for them when they're able to show me like a restored antique vehicle or something like that. I'm like, this is cool. Like, I'm into history. Like, you know, how'd you, um, you know, to go driving around? But um, better to go your own way than to add negativity to the world. I say was division. I agree with you. Was division hundred percent. Um, yeah, and I think alike, you and I think alike, safe tackle. Thanks, Shelly. So, um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a good thing. Um, and again, I want to, I want to focus a show on this because like I said, it, I actually got to the point and I was never a person who thought I would have to not have to, but I thought I would agree to go to counseling because of work stress. <laughs> like, I don't know, I don't even know if it work stress is worse, work anger. Like I, I had a very prominent position and all the stuff. I mean, it was, um, and I was just like, I was so mad and just so it, it, and you realize people are pushing your buttons and stuff like that. And then, um, and I'm like, Oh God, you know, but, uh, Shelly wrote, I can discuss this with you sometime in show. Yeah. Sounds good. Um, it's sport brand. Gosh, darn it. Sport brand. And by the way, it's one of the best logos ever. I love it. Sport brand. Welcome, sport brand. Making people feel bad is basically a war crime nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and people, there people have gotten really good at this, right? These, uh, I wouldn't, I mean, microaggressions, I think, are perceived, but I think people who overtly want to make other people feel bad, that that is their goal in life, is to make you feel bad. Uh, not you, but to make others, like, if they see people happy, and they are themselves aren't happy. They need to deflate the happiness of the happy people or the outgoing people. Or I don't know what it is. I've seen it. Um, so you know, it's, I don't think people recognize this as much as they're younger or earlier on in careers. And like, I'm glad I know it now. Like I said, after I presented on PBS, I presented twice on PBS TV, which I'm going to do a show on, like what that's like because I think that's an interesting experience. But the first time I did it. I had a lot of people who resented me that I worked with for presenting on PBS. Thought I was a, a glory grabber, spotlight stealer, whatever it was. I don't get paid for being on PBS. I put in tons of hours on my own time. Wasn't on work time. <laughs> I got there was no cash benefit out of presenting on PBS. It was for the public knowledge base and something I, I wanted to do. I was passionate about doing. Um, you know about school security. It was a great presentation, and a lot of people resented me after I did it that I worked with, right? Um, and then in 2019, in a different work setting, people from work, unbeknownst to me, actually drove up and were part of the studio audience. And they dressed up like kind of what I'm doing now, you know, they were formal, and, and they were just happy. They were happy for me. They they wanted to be there for me. I didn't ask them to do it. Um, and I'm like, holy smokes, look at these people. Like, they're awesome friends. They are friends. They're doing this because they're happy for me. They 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 think this is cool. And um, so the difference, right, between 2013 and 2019, presenting on PBS, uh, people are <laughs> like, wow, you, well, you shouldn't be doing this. Like, you know, too much limelight you're taking from us versus other people said, oh, my God, like, we work with you and we're just so happy. And I'm like, God. Oh, it's good. Armitage wrote, I think they made a song about going your own way. It was pretty catchy. Yeah. No kidding. Go your own way. 
so dun 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 go your own way dun 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 All right. So, folks, a little update here. We are eight minutes and five seconds away from the safety dock heading to the Super Bowl. Uh, so, I don't know. Fingers crossed. So, wow. This will be big. Um, Bolo, no, no is a bad word in the fantasy land. Yeah. At uh, Wiz Division Productions, uh, Swamp Talk Armory, you can call it uh, another lonely day. Fleetwood Mac. Uh, Armitage, uh, that one and uh, say that you love me struck me in the head a lot at work. So, Wiz Division. My mom said the same thing mostly when siblings and I fought. Armitage, hold me when I say I'm lonely. Armitage. Oh, this is Swamp. Swampy. Um, Swamp Dog Armory. Thank you, buddy. Uh, Vanessa, Crimea River comes to mind for some native people. Yeah. I mean, people have bad days. And one thing Larry Lawton, America's biggest jewel thief, shared with me that stuck with me. So Dave, like, because he often, like, people said, oh, you're part of the Gambino family, and, you know, you did all these things, and they just dismiss him. They won't give him the time of day. And, you know, I consider him to be a friend. I think he's very intellectual. I think he's done a... a a number of terrific things for helping um, youth and, and young uh, first-time offenders, for example. Um, but, you know, one thing Larry said is, would you would any of us want to be judged by our worst day and just be like, that's that person, like totally define them by their worst day? And I'd be like, yeah, I never thought of it. I'm like, no. But actually, like, if, <laughs> right, if you go to, if you're Larry Lott and you rob jewels and you go to court you are judged by your worst day i guess but um but it was a good point though like all of us are going to have off days we'll have days when the cylinders aren't hitting and the reality is um yeah i mean there are sometimes you just also look at people and say they're out of character or whatever and say it's they're having a rough time a hard day like it just you know it's a pass for that but people who perpetually or habitually habitually use that that's no good um mask holes want to make the whole world feel bad yeah no kidding sassed um no kidding at all um yeah <laughs> and you know it's funny too because the older i get like i just don't it doesn't impact me and so and i don't think people put as much energy into trying to to bring they, they'll go to somebody else that it's easier to bring down, but it's really weird. I just, I, I just, it's really bizarre. Um, I don't know. Victimhood is being taught and accepted. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, MKJO. Um, it, it is true. Like, I, I think this mentality of you can be a victim of anything, you can be a victim of the pandemic. It's not your fault. You, whatever, have a student loan, you're a victim of a system that didn't inform you about student loans and interest, right? Like, I, I never get that argument. 
I don't get the argument when people, you know, like student loan now has been suspended until May or whatever. It's like at some point you have to pay this back, right? And people say all this stuff and whatever. It's like, well, when you agree to this, if you, you know, you had to know there was interest, right? Like even the most basic one hour of trying to figure this out would have told you that, you know, like all of us have bought cars and bought, you know, I bought a house or whatever, but you know, there's interest on things. So, you know, I'm the victim of a system that is, you know, or university systems preying on students who are going into social sciences. I don't know. You're right. Um, but no cash benefit equals those moments you can say you did nothing and no one can touch you. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's funny. I mean, I like I said, I really had a good time over the holidays when people were talking about my book, my family, you know, family members, because I, I didn't talk about it. I, uh, you know, I wasn't going to say, Hey, look at me. Like, you know, I'm writing a book or it's, it's coming out April 11th and then, you know, 471 endnotes, And it's really this awesome book and all stuff. Um, it is like, I want people to know that and likely I'll get some of them books, but I, but they were the ones bringing it up and asking me questions and talking about it. Oh, like, tell me about this interview or this, whatever he did. So um, I saw my dad on Canadian PBS on a leave no trace show going to carry his torch. So that's cool. Bolo. Awesome. So I am, I have a note of some different shows I want to put together. And one is what it was like to present twice on PBS before a live audience. And I, I'm one who doesn't get nervous presenting in big audiences. Never have. Um, but I'm going to share the interworkings of how that, that starts. Like six months before and as you get closer and actually on the day and things that happen that like nobody thinks. And actually, I can watch people on PBS now who present live and I can point out things that they've done right or, or wrong. Like that. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, they looked over their left shoulder and like, you're not supposed to do that because it screws up the way that the camera is shooting at you. So like in post-production, when they re-edit that, they'll edit that out and they'll do like a straight on shot of you or up at the screen or whatever you're presenting. Um, so like you get to learn all of these, these things. Uh, but I'll tell you, it was one of the best things ever. And after the, the second time I presented in the live studio audience, um, we all went, not all of us, like you have to stay in the answer questions, stuff like that. But there were a lot of people in the studio audience um, who approached me and they're like, hey, do you want to go out to a couple bars? <laughs> and I'm like, sure. And just hang, they would just want to hang out with you because you've just been on national PBS. And so I had this group of like 15 people and we're all like going from bar to bar. And, and like, I'm not getting you know, drunk or anything like that. I mean, I'm responsible, but I'm like, you know, grabbing a burger here, talking to people here, inter you know, talk people were just like glad they're like, oh, this guy, and then they introduce you, like you come into a place. This guy was just on PBS for God's sakes. Just why everybody saw him tonight. And then uh, that was a story too, where I couldn't find my car because I didn't know the parking ramps very well. So I did have a picture of like the area where it was. And then like, honestly, like people stayed with, that was their mission. They stayed with me until I found my vehicle. Because again, I was disoriented. It was night. It's not an area I was used to. And I'm like, I don't know where my car is. And I had like an app actually, like I could have found it, but I didn't like totally have it set up. But they stayed with me. So 
Hey, Shelly Rogers, got to go take care. Thank you, Shelly, so much. Yeah, I look forward to reading your your email. So, um, yeah, sometimes be good, Shelly. Uh, yeah, it's it's um, yeah, it's called being a cop. That's for Fran. Yeah. Um, hey, Shelter in Paradise, welcome. Hey, that's a new logo for you. I like it. So, um, yeah. So let me get over here and uh, all right. Oh, uh, um, all right, guys. Let me give you an update here from the Safety Doc Studio. So, um, for my Super Bowl chances here in our 12 team fantasy football league, which I've been a part of for 25 years, I've won it twice. I am leading 164 to 168. Three minutes, nine seconds to go in this game. If it holds, I will be advancing to the Fantasy Football Super Bowl. And I think I've played in three Super Bowls. I've won two. I lost one. But uh, it's pretty remarkable because I, I was 7-7 seven and seven this year, made it in as a fifth seed, had to work through a couple playoff games. And I'm taking on the number one seed right now. I am literally three minutes and four seconds away from advancing to the fantasy football Super Bowl. So, shelter in paradise. Real value of my student loan principal goes down every month with inflation. Yeah, inflation is uh, nutso. And my, ho my house insurance just went up 11%. What the hell? Armitage, I finally finished a table I've been building, taking bets on how long before it falls down. Oh, come on, Armitage. I trust you. It will stay forever. So, um, we have an Amish community 15 miles from us. And I made sketches of like an end table and side tables, like when we moved here 20 years ago. And I went out there in Raymond Bonrager. So had this shop, right? And uh, and I said, could you make these for me? Like, here's the dimensions and all this. Like, sure. So like four or five months later, I went out. They were done. I picked them up. And he made this end table. And they're all phenomenal. We have them today. Extremely well built. I mean, unbelievable. And this one end table has a drawer this narrow drawer, which pulls out about three feet. <laughs> it's the craziest thing. And like, it's super sturdy and super strong. And like, he, it's just, I, you know, you could never buy this stuff. Like he just made this. And he's like, I thought this would be kind of cool. And I'm like, it is cool. So yeah, most of the furniture in like my daughter's bedroom set, um, we had him make. So it takes like a half year. And then you, you know, you get a postcard email, come on, pick your stuff up. So um, good dude. Um, I'm sometimes I'll talk about it too. Like, you know, living close to an Amish community, like they have this dry goods store. So there's no lighting. There's just like clear ceiling tiles or whatever the hell. Um, and then everything's in bulk, but, and they don't, it's only cash. So it's a good place. Um, I feel like it's like, I feel like it's a good buffer for us to live where we are because like that part is all Amish farms. So it's low crime, really good, stable people, you know, right? So, um, but Shelly Rogers, bye. Um, okay, y'all got to head to bed. Swamp Dog, got to get up early in the morning. Thanks for the enjoyable show. Thanks, buddy. Swamp Dog, I appreciate it. So um, that channel is going places. He's a good person. So, uh, Bolo still having to still having to go. <laughs> Thanks, Bolo. Bolo, my God, 
I, I'm giving you a high five right here. So this is my bolo. And almost bolo, I'm going to give you this too. I don't give this up very often, but I'm giving you this this right here. I'm giving you the wow. Wow for bolo. Uh, so yeah, bolo, you, you get the wow. And uh, I'm giving you also, yeah. Yeah, bolo. So um, yeah, it's sometimes I'll watch YouTube channels where, you know, they're like, I'm full-time YouTube right now and I never want to go back to working my job. So please like just keep shows on in the background. Like I think that is scammy to do that. Right. Um, but for me, I am authentically trying to get to 4,000 hours and I'm being worked against by the system. I'm losing hours every day, <laughs> even though I'm getting subscribers. So like, I, I think it's a different thing if you've got the doc playing. Um, so I appreciate that Bolo. Thank you so much. Thank you. Armitage. It's just something I tossed together with scrap lumber to hold a drill press. So, Hey, it works. I've made some pretty cool stuff out of, uh, you know, spare part lumber. Um, I'll hang around until the game ends to see if he gets to the Super Bowl. Um, it's okay. So it's two minutes to go. Um, and it is, uh, I'm still leading 174, 168. I'm thinking at this point, the team is up 2013. They have the ball. There's no need to score again other than a field goal. So I think they're going to probably run it. I, I'm guessing, I'm guessing I'm going to be in Super Bowl. Um, so MKJO, good show and good luck next week in your League Super Bowl doc. Uh, stay warm in your home and hurts and all. So thank you, buddy. So yeah, I've already made the one Super Bowl, which I've never made before in the one league I've been in six years with former coworkers. So I made the Super Bowl there. <laughs> That's a non-cash. It's just, you know, whatever. But this other Super Bowl, you know, is league we pay into every year and it's some pretty extensive bragging rights. So um, yeah, this is... It's just, it's fun because the winter gets long in Wisconsin. It's just a way to pass the time. Have a good night, Swamp Dog. Yeah, good buddy. Um, I don't give this up very often. That's what she said. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, again, it's a tricky thing. The ones that hand it out are probably ones you don't want. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, wow. Um Vanessa, buying lumber for two styles of workbenches, the Rivian and a workbench by Christopher Schwartz. Whoa. Wow. That is, uh, that is some cool and wild stuff. Some wild and wacky stuff. So um, so thanks for the uh, 20, 26 uh, thumbs up. I appreciate it. Um, also, I've been answering questions. So when you post questions to the show or if I post, you know, something up in a community forum, um, that's been going really well. So thank you so much. Um, for those of you, I mean, this is, this book has been $30 since the day it was released. So, which has been a while. Um, but this it's wall made, right? The corners aren't, this is the book I take everywhere with me when I do author events and I teach, this is a university text. So this thing is like, there's no folds on the corners, you know, and nothing's, this is a well-made book and the content is awesome. Uh, this is the book I knew would end my administrative career because no one would hire you after you called out the craziness of the administrative standards and how they don't address school safety. But um, this is an awesome, awesome book. Hundreds of libraries across the world. It's, it's thrilling for me to go in and to see where this appears, like in, or someone who emails me and says, hey, like I, this just came in our library in Squamish, British Columbia. 
Um, you know, you think about if you're a parent, teacher, if you know a teacher, teacher is a parent, uh, taxpayer. And this is very keyed in on what is happening right now for pandemic safety. And I talked about it, I think, a week ago in this whole test to stay thing. The test to stay is a disaster that will never work in schools. <laughs> it will never scale. So what's happening right now is school boards are meeting and they are saying, um, hey, like we're going to go remote because if we had to do tests, you know, we have to swab kids and we have to wait 15 minutes and this and that. And we have like eight, 30 kids in a classroom. We're just, we can't do it. We don't have the staff. We don't have the test stuff. They're not going to do it. So that's, you're going to see a lot of schools go remote and they're going to go remote because the CDC has changed their guidance and schools need to show that they are calibrating to some system to make decisions. A lot of them are calibrating to the CDC. If the CDC says test to say, schools are saying we can't do it. It's not logistics don't work for us. They're going to go remote. And you're starting to see it right now. So. All right, a quick update, everybody. I am one minute and four seconds away from a Super Bowl appearance here for the Safety Act. One minute and four seconds away. I am telling you, um, this is pretty damn incredible. One minute and four seconds away from a Super Bowl appearance, taking out the number one seed as the number five seed. So I'll keep you posted. Um... Bolo says, hey, I'm a monk. She better be a nun and if she's getting my 223. So, wow. Uh, Armitage, you're not wrong. Uh, 104 can be 10 minutes, I've allowed. So, oh my goodness. Shelter in Paradise says some, that's some good stuff. So, let me, give you, let me give you guys an update here. I think I have some breaking news. I have some breaking news for you. Um... So, it's, I just made the Super Bowl. The game has gone final. The Doc has won 174.56 to 168.10. I knocked off the number one seed. I'm heading to the Super Bowl, everybody. Next week, I'll be in two Super Bowls, both leagues. But this is the 25-year league, the guys I played with in college, stuff like that. I just made the Super Bowl. I cannot believe it. This is incredible. The safety doc is in the Super Bowl. I just defeated the number one seed. Unbelievable. Unbelievable, folks. The doc is in the Super Bowl. So, wow. I honestly thought this year that I, I wouldn't play in either league. I was kind of burned out with the pandemic stuff and all this other stuff. It's kind of negative. And uh, and I'm like, whoa. So, <laughs> and damn it, I made both Super Bowls. Uh, so I am, this is incredible. You were here when it happened. Whether I win or lose in the Super Bowl, you know, I hope I win, but if I don't, to play in the fantasy football Super Bowl is outstanding. And it is just uh, cool to be in this very final game here. So the Doc has won, and uh, and we have to do this right now um, because the Doc has, has won. So, yeah, oh, my God. 
Oh my God. Look at this. This is the cell. Oh my God. This is the celebration, folks. The doc is, uh, it has made the, oh, oh my, I thank you so much. Thank you so much. So um, this is, this is more than amazing uh, to, to be here, uh, to be in the, the Super Bowl. Um, I can't, I can't tell you what, uh, just how great this is uh, for the doc to be, to be in the Super Bowl. So, um, wow. I am, I am really, it's just, it's amazing. So let me try to find uh, right here. Uh, let me move this over here. So hang on just a second and uh, trying to find the right, the correct overlay. Um, so, oh, I don't want filters. That's not good. I don't want distortions. I don't want avatars. Come on. I'm not there. Not avatars. I'm not into this. I'm not in. Uh, here's the thumbs up because I made the I made the Super Bowl. We're not here. We're not there. Let me let me find it, folks. Uh, well, look at this. Well, there it is again. Thank you so much. I am uh, I am thrilled to be in the Super Bowl. And now, um, all right. Whoa, there's music for the Super Bowl. There's some things. There's this. There's these wild cards for the Super Bowl. There's all these Super Bowl. Oh, my God. There's my tiny docs going through here for the Super Bowl. This, this is amazing. This is uh, It's just amazing. Stars, uh, fire, on uh, steam from the ears, uh, Super Bowl stuff. Uh, yeah, little snowflakes coming down here for Super Bowl. Um, I am just, yeah, it's just, it's amazing stuff. So, um, I did find it here, but no, we got to get rid of this. Uh, got to get rid of this stuff. So there we go. All right, folks. Um, I have, I have located it. Um, right here so i am uh i am up on the i am up on a jumbotron right now speaking to everybody this is just a big moment so thank you so much everybody this uh making the super bowl i appreciate it uh yes yeah, is uh it's credible you know we had some late season uh signings um really put the effort in so i just want to thank everybody here for for the doc making the super bowl uh it's big it's big it's big stuff so um so yes uh thank you and i'm i'm seeing stuff now that i've never seen before on here so uh so yeah and ha you know it's kind of like a birthday thing here I am, the big screen. Here I am, also the birthday thing. Uh, here I am with bricks. There's, there's supposed to be a microphone. So that's what I'm looking for here. Um, it's pretty piss poorly organized. So, all right. Well, goodbye with that. Okay. All right. So anyway, that's cool. Congrats. Thanks. Like the fireworks. Yeah, it's big. Alex, thank you, buddy. Alex Patino. So I got the fireworks going. 
don't know. Man, I can't, I can't get over. Uh, it's just, it's fun. It's fun because I know these guys I'm rising. So, you know, so as we talked about, you know, um, we talked about this this concept, low key, L O K I, the low key. Um, watch, watch for it, right? Watch for the low key, and start to acknowledge this with people when when they start to just blame things on, oh, it's the pandemic, oh, it's inflation, oh, it's whatever, oh, it's my, you know student loan thing. Oh, it's whatever. Um, it's a low key. And we're getting to do this as a society, right? Governments do this. They just blame things off. Um, and it is, a, it's horrible. There's no accountability. Or we talked about that homelessness before. This is where I talked with Kevin Dalton, who's running for mayor of Los Angeles, who wrote an endorsement for my book. And, you know, it's like saying homelessness can be cured by giving someone a home. So it's a straw man argument. It's kind of like a low-key, oh, homelessness, you know, it's caused by bad government policy or whatever it is or whatever. And then they give somebody an eight by 10 home in this field where they put these things and there's a community bathroom and it doesn't have any impact on drug use and other things. You know, it's, it's, it's not addressing the issue. So it's a straw man that they create. Ignore the real argument, say it's that they need a home, but homelessness doesn't address these other issues. And then you say, oh, we've solved homelessness because we've just bought, you know, a thousand dollar eight by 10 trailer that now somebody's living in these micro homes. So yeah. Um, so I think the low key thing is, is coming out there. Uh, like a rhino, I stamp out the fire. You got it Bolo. So yeah, no, it's really good. It's really good. Um, so yeah, so a few things again. Like I'm, I'm really thrilled that I was able to um, submit my first, my first proof. School of Airs had three proofs. Um, this book will only have two, but uh, I'll talk about what the proof process was like, and I'll give some screenshots and things like that. Um, but it is where things get laid out, right? And at that point, I mean, there's there's this financial commitment from the publisher because you know I'm working through a publishing house, I had a publishing contract for this book. Uh, so you start the timelines start to shrink, you know, because April 11th, I'm like, that's not far away, you know, pretty soon January 11th, three months, and um, so what that what that is all kind of like, what that entails. And I'll tell you, like, I went back on Google Scholar, and I think I have, like, I don't know, 15 articles maybe, like, which sounds like a lot, but it's not. <laughs> you have someone, like, a real academic on Google Scholar, they have, like, 200 works. But it's fun on Google Scholar to start to see other people cite my work. Um, and, like, I never thought I would have, you know, that. So Google Scholar is coming up, and, like I said, the book is starting to be advertised in different places, so that's that's been kind of fun. And it's it's a it's a terrific read. One of the things doing a proof and reading word for word and checking graphics lineups and everything like that. It's like I'm just it's a really good book. And it just it really sinks in. And now the next part of the book is uh, we're about two months away from the the narration of the book. Uh, so I can't wait to hear the entire book narrated. Um, that wasn't something with School of Errors, but it is something with um, the velocity of information to so that will be available 
a little bit later, but it'll be available in audiobook. Um, so, oh God, like I just, I'm, I'll tell you, it was so exciting for me to have the interviews um, when people were doing interviewing to audition, you know, for the, for the book um, uh, or auditioning for the book and reading like 10 minute samples. It was just wild to hear your own stuff, like being read back to you and, you know, people using, taking the customizing it to their own voices and characters and stuff like that. And, uh, and how you kind of immediately recognize like, Oh, that's the voice. Like that's the one. So I'm really, I'm really thrilled for that. That is, that is happening. Um, so again, like, um, tomorrow, Hey, did you get Samuel L. Jackson? I didn't, uh, I did not know, but Bolo, I did get an actor who is on a, um, uh, what, I don't know, a TV show, right? It's a TV series. It's been out a couple of years. Uh, he's in his thirties. I, and I, I'll share his name once we complete production. Um, otherwise, yeah, I just, I can't share his name yet, but, um, so he's, he's awesome. I can say one thing, like he's been on shows with Tina Fey as kind of a hint, if you can figure that out, but, um, he is, and, and also like he wanted to do this. Um, he wants to build kind of a nonfiction um, repertoire, right? So uh, Shelter in Paradise asks a great question. Did you consider narrating the book yourself? I did, um, but I don't one have, I think the equipment to do it. And there is a difference in somebody who professionally is an actor and then also narrates. So it's a double, like I didn't hire a narrator. I hired an actor, um, you know, on a popular TV show. I didn't hire, but the through the, you know, the book and stu the public publisher and all that. But I guess I hired because I selected it, right. But um, to to have somebody um, who who also knows the the art of acting and not just the act of narrating. And I thought that was very evident in the samples. But then this person too just said, "I want to do this. Like this is an awesome book, and I want this to be part of my." professional vita my resume so both ways like it worked out we you know we immediately had that connection of saying you know, he's like this is going to benefit me it's benefit you and of course you know costs and all that but um gilbert godfrey oh god wouldn't that be something i don't think i could listen to a book by gilbert godfrey but um i'll buy the audiobook to find out so yeah, I mean, it'll be public. Like, there'll be, there'll actually be a press release when the audio book comes out. There'll be an AP press release, just as there will be with the book. There'll be an Associated Pre Press press release on April 11th um, that will come out for the book. And then, um, but uh, yeah, that will be, is that will be out. Like, that's not like a secret until it's done. It just has to be completed before I can release uh, who the narrator was. Uh, but it's exciting. I'm, and yeah, it's a win-win situation. It really is. Um, because I, I don't even know if I would have been able to get this narrator unless they want it. First, they love the book, right? They said, this is because you're speaking to the audience. You're speaking to the, the reader, all, all these, uh, you know, these interviews, these stories are just so fascinating. So, um, said, I want to do this and all. And, and then just said, this is a, 
high quality scholarly work. Like I want this to be, I want to be the one who narrated this as people talk about this. Like I want them to say like, Oh, it was me who narrated this. So I was like, Whoa. Um, sup doc busy chat. Oh, Marty paint, Marty lead paint. Hey, Marty. Um, so yeah, Christopher Walken would be, Oh, uh, you know, if Christopher Walken would, would have uh, jumped in, I would have taken him hip right away. <laughs> so, I'm really thrilled. Though. I'm really thrilled that I I have my my narrator. That this book will be an audio. Um, I did try actually to get School of Errors. I tried with my publisher to have them revert rights to me for audio, and they did not do that. Even though the book has been out three years, so um, yeah, it's not it's not hard feelings, right? It's just it wasn't in the original contract, and they're not going to revisit the contract at this point and make the book. Um, but I think I think it would be great to have it in audio version, um, especially though velocity of information with ten interviews to have an audio version is phenomenal, right? To have to hear these people in kind of a different take from the the narrator. Uh, it's just, it's, it's uh, like I said, I have the samples and I, you know, put the headphones on and I'm like, this is just amazing as an, as an author to have, you know, somebody read your book and to have, um, you know, that, that much commitment to it. So, um, yeah. And I did, how I did this too is there are different ways you can do the audio in your contract and stuff. And I went for the most distribution and the lowest royalty for audio, which you're right, doesn't make sense from a cash standpoint. It makes sense though from an accessibility standpoint and for library saturation. Um, so sometimes libraries will say, we can't take an audio book because if, if somebody downloads it, downloads it, it causes like 10 bucks or 15 bucks or whatever, uh, every download. Um, so I actually set it up so it's highly accessible um, when that comes out. So the book is in hardback, paperback, and an ebook. Most people buy paperback, which you should. <laughs> I mean, hardback is like libraries and universities that buy it. Um, it's quite a bit pricier. Um, and so, I mean, go with paperback. It's, it's a very, you know, good book. And I don't know if you're into ebooks, go with ebook. Audiobook will eventually be out there. So how about having George Lopez bacon as a narrator? So, yeah. And, you know, people tell me, like, Ryan Katsu Rivera um, told me I should narrate, like, I have a really good voice. And I'm like, I could, but also I, I I want it to be somebody else. And and also, like, the narrator is in his, like, mid-30s. And that's kind of the voice and that I want with the velocity of information. Like, I kind of have. I don't want it to be, like, my 50-year-old voice. So pours by paperback. Yeah. Unfortunately, like um, hard copies, seriously, 75 bucks. <laughs> so I don't set price. I get set by the publisher. And the reason it's 75, um, because it's, it's, it's university text. They have a high, uh, it'll be bought by a lot of libraries. Libraries want hardback because hardback lasts for a long time. Um, so uh, paperback is 35. So a lot of people will go 35. So I have no control over price of, of the book, but, uh, but yeah, paperback from this publisher is a very good quality paperback. Um, so you'll be in good, good shape. So, or scan from a library copy. So 
So poor is fine. <laughs> you know, my, and I do, I, somebody put my book out there, PDF online now, because it's through a publishing house, right? Like they are, they're pretty quick to go and find it, that stuff and do the cease and desist or uh, to take people, you know, school of errors at this point has been out a couple of years. So, but, uh, but yeah, they're pretty aggressive on that. My publisher. Um, so, you know, it's cop, my book is copyrighted on every continent. So, uh, yeah, they kind of go after people that, so, uh, scholarly books cost around that much. They do. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, if you, you know, you look at what you pay for, if somebody came up to you and said, Hey, like this, whatever part went on in your car, it's going to cost $200. Well, you know, then a $75 hard copy book is, isn't that much, right? I mean, in comparison, I mean, I put 3000 hours of work into this. It's very, very well done. And the book itself has a cloth binding i mean is it's a book you'd have forever um and so from that like you are getting a great value like honestly once you read the book you're all smart ek shelter in paradise andrew i mean you guys uh, alex and but you are getting uh such value for your money i mean the uh, what I've put into that book, the research, the interviews, like I said, I interview people who don't give interviews, you know, Larry Lawton, Linda Stone, Robert Travis, and this book is phenomenal. And it, it will be that one thing that you'll take pieces out of that and you'll be looking at things differently in your life. And as I said, it's, it's the book that gets you out, gets you out in front of the pack, gets you, puts you out of harm's way. Um, so, yeah. And I'll honestly, like through royalties and all of that stuff, like at the end, like I kind of just like break even <laughs> as there's no lie to that. Um, but I, you know, it's very important for me to have these professional scholarly, you know, works out there for people. Um, Alex wrote, uh, Morgan Freeman has a great voice that even watching Bruce Almighty, I think still think that is a voice of God sounds. Yeah, he does. I love Morgan Freeman in uh, Batman. So Batman Rises or whatever. Um, bacon to uh, at Shelter Paradise. I just got to take a own and a ream of paper and copy down. <laughs> so, yeah, somebody. I This is true. When I was in college, one of my friends brought in a whole bunch of dimes and he copied the textbook that we were assigned. He copied mine, I think, on a copy machine. And I'm like, at the end, like it was no savings for him to do this process. It took him like hours to do it. But I'm like, oh God, dude, it was back, you know, 30 years ago. <laughs> so, you know, what the hell? I'm going to just take, oh yeah, um, exactly. You deserve much more. I'm excited because, so, you know, the book is of great value. And again, it's professionally, you know, through the publisher, the binding. I mean, this book will last like i I am not kidding. This is my original first copy of School of Errors that I received in 2019. This book has gone everywhere with me. It's got all my notes, everything like that. This, the corners aren't even dented in. I mean, the publisher, you know, has a very good quality book. There is cloth sewn binding in it. Um, so, you know, from that standpoint, um, you know, it's it's kind of an heirloom thing. I am I am trying to work on an e-commerce page. And uh, I have a couple people who are going to be helping me out with that. So I can, um, people have been asking me, can I get a signed copy? And I'm like, sure. I just don't know how to do it yet. Um, so 
I need to be able to get some supply of books here. And then of course I can't, I have to, I have to figure out like kind of like a shipping thing. So the, the paperback is 35. So I think like I could basically, if it's domestic, I could say $40 or $38 and I'll, I'll make it work. Um, so contact me and I will personally sign it and send it to you. Um, and then if it's like a hard copy, if you want to do that, I've got to go with more, you know, on that. I don't, I don't know what that would be, but I mean, I'll make it. So I'll make it. So I do not make anything off of signed copies. I will not make anything off of signed copies. Um, but I do want to make those available for people because they, they've asked for that. Um, so yeah, I had somebody, um, with school of Harris send me a book that they bought and they sent it from Canada to me. So it arrived. And then they said, could you sign this? And send it back and i said sure but it cost me like 19 dollars to send it back which was a cost that i just ate um you know as a fan and it was a you know all of that stuff and and things like that plus like if you leave a review in canada it doesn't show up on the us google or the us amazon stuff but i was glad to do it again this is it's really important for me to to get the the book out there to get it accessible for people um so yeah yeah, and some of you in here will be getting books sent your way as a gift here of the safety docs. Some of you already have my first book, but I do have like a spreadsheet I'm putting together. So when the book does come out in April, some of you will, um, yeah, be getting signed copies of it. So um, I remember before the internet, the stupid things I did. Yeah, uh, this book will be here after the apocalypse. <laughs> it's timing, right? Um, the thing is, the book is so timely on the themes in the book about talking about like passports, how your rip your float is a passport to thing. Like I'm surprised my publisher let that stuff go. Um, and and just how society is probably going to split into this essential versus non-essential. Like I'm landing this book right in the middle of when it's relevant. So it is like perfect timing. Um, the, the quirky thing with School of Errors was School of Errors released in August of 2019. And then it robustly sold for five months. And of course, then schools shut down after that because of the virus. So then when schools weren't in session, you didn't have school shootings, didn't have stuff like this. So the book kind of like idled. And then when schools went back in session, the sales kicked up again and stuff like that. But um, this book is is... I mean, personally, I think it's the best book that's been written. It rips the bandit off of 2020. Um, I, again, 471 cite, citations and notes within the book. It's very professionally done, professional graphics, several people gone through, peer reviewers. Plus, it's me. Like, right, I'm, I'm well-researched. It's it's very much I'm talking to you. You're going to enjoy this. You're going to – the people I introduce you to, you know, Larry Lawton, Robert Travis, Linda Stone, Morgan Rogue, so much in this. Um, and I'm just, I, like I said, I'm thrilled. I don't think I could, I don't think I could ever do this again. I don't know. I might write another book at some point, but I don't, I could never do the velocity of information again. It was just kind of a magical experience of, I realized right at the onset of the pandemic in March, I'm like, if I do this right, if I interview people right now, as they're going through this, if I do things myself, if I go out and build my member check, if I take my daughter out and we're trying to figure out what's happening in the community because she's convinced the playgrounds are going to be torn up. Um, 
if I do this right, I will have such a vibrant book. I won't be writing about it from the sidelines looking in. I'll be writing about it as it's happening. And I was able to do that. Like I realized it in the moment. So I wrote about it as it was happening. And oh my God, did it come in? Uh, it dialed in. So, um, yeah. So it's exciting. Like it's just this big, um, you know, and maybe too, I'll talk about professionally what it means to write because it's, it's nothing that makes, at least the way that I do it, doesn't make me rich. Um, no, uh, helps me out with my university stuff, you know, stuff like that. But just to do this and then also to, as, as my family, you know, relatives, my daughters, to have them, um, you know, to, that you've written a book, um, there's a big thing. So there's, this is this like spam because if if it is and somebody go in there and like do the spam swatter so um bolo you'll get a beer if you sign mine so bolo where do you live like can you give a state or region so and i will gladly sign with my mont blanc pen and i'm doing a stamp also that is hopefully going to be blue so it matches the cover um but yeah it's an honor for me and when people leave you uh reviews bolo my contact information is in the about section in YouTube here. So if you contact me, I can get you a reviewer PDF of my first book, School of Errors 2019. I'm still hoping I can get more people to review that book. There are 45 five-star reviews on Amazon. I, I'd love it to be over 50 by the time that Velocity of Information is released in April. I would love for School of Errors to be over 50. Um, so please, if you're interested at all, find that email, send it to me, and um, I'd be glad to send you the review copy of School of Errors as a PDF. Um, so yeah, you can't be getting charged for signing books. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, no, I would never. <laughs> right, I would never. I'm not charging. If so, people have contacted me and said, "Can I get a signed copy of whatever?" I said, "I'm working on it. I don't know exactly how to do this yet, so I can get books right." Uh, from the publisher, but then I can't sell them for under what the publisher is selling them. So I can, I have to make some kind of adjustment on that. So, but I'm not making money on any books I sign for anybody, but I'm very thrilled and very honored to sign a book for anybody. Or if you want me to put a certain inscription on it, to sign it and get it out to you. Like I am thrilled to do that. I will completely do that. I'm going to send him a gift card for Popeye's with my copy as compensation for <laughs> I don't have a Popeyes here. Bacon. I have a Culver's. I have a Burger King. I have a Taco Bell. And Taco Bell's kind of like slimmed down the menu. So, but Taco Bell might be the safest bet. Um, so I don't know what this is. So it's a bot. So you guys go in and extinguish the bots. Uh, Mont Blanc. Oh, Schmancy. Yeah. I didn't even know that there were different pen things. And then uh, one of my publisher friends said well you the thing was it's more respect for the people you're signing the book for because the ink doesn't fade and they're like the you know somebody buys your book right and you have a 99 cent pen and you sign it and then the ink fades or whatever it's it's a respect to the person you're signing the book that you have a bold ink that doesn't fade and I'm like, yeah, I mean, if I was if I was getting my book signed, I would want that. Like, I wouldn't want someone with a hotel pen signing my book. And then, so it's like this baseball. When I threw out the first pitch at um, a couple of years ago, this was after my, my first book. Well, you can't even see it, right? It says 
first pitch Wade Stadium 731-19. It's faded. It was a it was a pen. Somebody had it a ballpark. So this was the pitch I threw out, and then the you know I don't know team manager or whatever signed it. Um, so which I love. I have the thing, but now it's all faded. So yeah. Um, when I went Powerball to now by a thousand. Hey, well, thank you, Andrew. That will shoot me up to number one, and, and then save some of that money. And then like buy a thousand of the the new one too. So the existing one and the new one. So that would that's kind of how in, insider how that's a manipulator, right? Or you see these people like, oh, President Obama wrote a book or stuff like this, and it's a bestseller. It's like he didn't write it for one, like someone else wrote it for him, and then they, it's all predetermined, like they have different people buy stuff. Like it's not how it works here at the safety deck. <laughs> so um I do. I can see though when semesters, university semesters start because there's always a big uptick, because my book is a, a textbook and some courses and things like that. So, no save that. I'm saying you shouldn't be out of pocket to some. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. Like I honestly, I paid like nineteen dollars to send someone my book, which was signed. But to me, that was an honor. I mean, if I had to do that every day, it would be unsustainable. <laughs> so, I couldn't do that. But to me, it really was an honor, um, this, this person, um, to do that. And that's kind of, that's what it is. And you know, like I will, I will get in a box of hard copies that I will stamp and sign and I will donate them in person to my local libraries and I will donate them to my hometown library where it is. My hometown is 1500 people, a very nice library is built a couple of years ago. Um, I donate my first book and I will donate a copy to them and then donate one to the neighboring community, which is like 30,000 where I went to school Um, and donate in person signed copies to them. And, you know, and they're appreciative for it. Like, right. They, um, and, but yeah, I, I will do that. I do have a certain number of libraries in my area that I just, you know, will go around to, well, first of all, I kind of like, Hey, like I wrote this book, like double check it because people, sometimes try to, you know, donate their own autobiography or something they, they wrote that really hasn't been spell checked or anything. And, um, but it's cool. Like I really, really enjoy uh, doing that and saying, no, you know, I'm glad to do this for you. Well, damn, I feel kind of sad now. Taco Bell it is. So oh, Arby's bacon. I have an Arby's that would be better than Taco Bell. Um, no chilies, no blooming. No, well, I've, you know, 40 miles away from here, but we have an Arby's. Um, I held my professor's first edition autograph copy of Propaganda. Oh my God, Edward Bernays. I have that book. I have it. I don't have it. At, I thought I, I, was, I thought I had my left hand side here. I must have put it back in my stack. Very cool that you're signing books. Oh God, Edward Bernays. And I talk about Edward Bernays in my book. Um, so yeah, he is, uh, Propaganda is mentioned in the Velocity of Information. And Nikolai Razavayu. The Soviet cyclist I interviewed, that's one of his favorite books. So he talked extensively about Propaganda by Edward Bernays. So, yeah, um, it's cool. So when I signed books, I have kind of like, I had a stamp made for School of Errors, which was really cool. Um, and on the, and what the stamp looked like, I'll show you exactly. Right here's what the stamp looked like. So that was the stamp, and it turned out really well, um, but it was big. So when I stamped books, it you know it it 
it took a long time and you had to be so like if you're signing books at a book uh, an author event it was just ridiculous it didn't work um but some of you have that like you have so those are rare copies right and then i would sign everything and then i would i would date it um and now i have a new stamp a circular stamp that's being made that will look pretty cool it's in blue and then it's smaller so it'd be easier and then um I will sign. And then if everybody, you know, people want things, I, I usually give like, I, I, I say here are like four phrases I could sign it with, or I could just sign it and just date it. It's up to you. So it's funny because in my hometown, uh, it was a big deal when school of Airs was published because, um, people just didn't publish, you know, books in, in the hometown. So the library made a big deal of it and the paper and stuff like that. And people would buy books, off of Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, whatever, you know, cause, and they would drop them off at my parents' house. And then they'd say, when, could you take this to your son? Or if your son stops up, could you have him sign the book? Because it's a big thing, you know, in a small town, which I, I didn't expect that. It's kind of neat. And the thing was though, I had to come up with a system because my parents would say like, this is from, um, um, this is from your uncle Aaron. I'd be like, Aaron, A-A-R-N-E-R-I-N-A-R-A. I'm like, how do you spell that? <laughs> um, I didn't know. I didn't know these people because they also assume like I know all these people. Like, I don't know them. And then I started to reuse some of the the little quotes that I had because I had like a, I took some quotes out of the book. And then they were surprised. They're like, well, I thought you put a unique quote in every book. I'm like, well, no, I don't, I don't do that. Um, but I, you know, so I actually came up with a, with a, like a, a sheet of paper and I cut it into thirds. And I said, if anybody drops a book off, have them print their name on the top. So I had a little section, print your name. Do you want a quote? And then I think I had like three quotes on there. Check one that you want, or if you want something different written on it. Um, and I don't know, I had like a little format. So I'll have to re redo that. But, you know, my parents are like 80. So let's. <laughs> So I'm like, who is this book? Like, even who am I writing this? Sign this book, and then people would stop over by the house, and and uh, or they would call them. And I think the other part was, yeah, put your phone number so my parents could call you and say your book was signed. But that was it was a quirky, fun thing. And so I'm not even on the Wikipedia page in my hometown, for God's sakes. Um, but that was that was funny um, to to come home and to to have the kitchen table with a stack of books. <laughs> This is for Kathy, and this is for whatever, and this is for this person, and this is for this person. And uh, and I was, you know, it was it was fun. And again, for people to know somebody who wrote a book that is in hundreds of libraries or had been on PBS was kind of fun, you know, for them. Uh so I don't know. It was I will I will always do that, right? Like I will always be that type of person. Red lobster, holy smokes, I don't have one near me. Blooming onions and chilies. Oh, God. That's good. Although our shift, we went back to Outback to drink. Yeah. Wow. Outback Steakhouse. So. Awesome. Well, we had some uh, we had some uh, big events tonight. One is the Doc made the Super Bowl in both of his fantasy leagues, but especially the 12-team league. I took out the number one seed during the show. It's incredible. Um, I'm thrilled. So it's fun. Uh, we did talk about our good friend, the Loki tonight. Talked about the Loki. Thank you for the 28 thumbs up. Thank you for watching the show. For some reason, this is true. I'm going to bring up the numbers right now. I'm bringing up the numbers. 
for some reason the show um, on um, okay on the 21st of December this showed 1767 hours of view time as of today um, it had 1793 but okay so 12. 21, it had 1767. 1223, it had 1825. Today, it has 1793. So it went up and then went back down. So it's garbage. Like, I don't understand what's going on there because I know people are watching it. We've been doing the two shows a week. This and Face Validity Fridays. Both have been well attended. So Loki the Chaos got awesome title. Thank you. I didn't even know what a Loki was until a couple of weeks ago. And then I, I actually worked that in a sentence in my book. So I can go back and kind of build off on that because like, as I'm doing the, you know, as I'm writing the book and stuff, I'm thinking, how do I build a class off of this? And how do I do like a TV presentation? I'm like the low key, the, the chaos guy. I want to make sure that I have that in there. And if I have it in the book, I can reference it. So by the way, I also have like this two page front and back media sheet for, because when the book comes out April 11th, I'll be contacted by the media, like TV stations, radio, stuff like that will contact me because it's an AP press release. And they'll say, um, we want to interview you about the book for like two minutes. Can you send us like a talking points document? I learned this from school of Bears, So I already have that done. It's front page and back page. So it's for the media. So they get it ahead of time. I send it to them and then they already know like what some of the themes are, a couple quotes from the books, like stuff like this. So then when they interview me, it's real easy for them to say, Oh, what is face validity or Dr. Seuss? What did Dr. Seuss have to do with learning how to defeat stress, which is something I talked about in my book. In World War II, Dr. Seuss worked with psychiatrists on strategies to stop burnout of soldiers. A lot of people don't know that. So, um, so yeah, I've got that all done. That gets out there. I actually may put that up on my uh, website and make that a little more accessible to people as they call me and you know stuff like that. So I don't have to, I don't have to email it to them. They can, if they're from the media, they can just go in and pull, pull that off. But, but yeah, so I will be doing, um, yeah, a lot of media stuff when the book comes out. Um, I do enjoy those places. So, huh? Um, I'm not sure what that is from EK. So YouTube algorithm sucks. True. I was really screwed over. Like it took me forever to get to a thousand subscribers and so many people helped me get there. I had DLD after dark bacon mentioned me on his show. All of you guys. And now like I'm getting 10 new subscribers a day and I'm approaching 1.1, you know, thousand. So, I mean, things are really good in that aspect. It's just like the viewer stuff is weird because like it's showing less and less hours, even though like, I know people are watching the show and that's where people said, Dave, go over to DuckDuckGo, and you'll find a totally different, you know, David Broden, Dr. David Broden. And it's true. Like a lot of stuff will come up as censored or like I'll appear in articles like New York Post that I didn't know I was in, that I was quoted within, you know, or a, a post I made on Twitter or something that never showed up in Google. So it's like a different world. Um, throwing change at customers reminds me of a good customer service. So, yeah. Uh, very good. Good point. They will be interviewing you. That does happen. Well, yeah, because it comes out through Associated Press. Um, so there is like a heavy, heavy week of media stuff where, yeah, um, you know, pretty mainstream media, probably National Public Radio, other stuff. They'll be 
calling, trying to get in because this comes across the AP line and they, they want to get it on and do shows and stuff. You know, it's usually like two minutes though. Like, um, but for a week, that's what it'll be. So, and I'm ready for that. You know, I've got every, everything ready to go. The press release is really awesome for the AP um, that's coming out. So that's really well done. Um, and actually there's a commercial being made for the book. So that's almost done as there was a school of airs, which you saw during my break. Uh, there's a different commercial that's coming out. So yeah, all these things really will, will come home. Uh, time is a subjective metric, apparently. Yeah, apparently. Um, <laughs> I thought you were heading off as I made dinner. Oh, sorry, Shelly. So those badasses in the back got me in the tattoos, you guys. So Shelly, I'm going to the Super Bowl, the Fantasy Football Super Bowl. I took out the number one seed tonight. I can't believe it. Um, how many hours went up and went down? Yeah, and I track things daily now, so I can actually kind of figure this out. Shelly Rogers, what was for dinner? A reheated instant pot and stuff bacon. So can't wait to check out the book. So thanks. Thanks, Alex. And let me just do, for those of you, see, what the hell? Okay. So here's here's the cover. Um, here's All right. So that looks pretty cool, right? The velocity of information. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited. Everything's all in the yeah. Woo, I'm glad. I'm I'm thrilled about that. I'm going home for Christmas now. I'm roasting a personal prime rib. Comes up 15 minutes. Nice, nice shelter in paradise. So I it's one of those nights where I feel like I could eat an entire bag of Doritos and I wouldn't feel bad about it. So not at all. Um, no, <laughs> I'm gonna go for it. Damn it, it's a champion. Just making the Super Bowl is a, it's a big thing. It's a big thing. Uh, keeping it simple, nothing wrong with that. Uh, I'm still writing a book on 21st Century Learner Safety Online. Shelly, awesome. Good for you. Yeah. Um, I would read that. I would definitely get that. Uh, oh, yum, Shelly, yeah. Um, so, all right. Good. Well, everybody, uh, Phase Validity Fridays is my show that airs at 9 a.m. Central Time on Fridays. I've done it for two months, and I love that show. And more of you now have been contacting me, and you have been um, suggesting things, right? Andrew sent me some screenshots of, like, you know, the where the boats were in Los Angeles, and we're talking about the backlog of boats and what the media is trying to say what's actually happening um so please like contact me post um we will continue to do that on fridays i look forward it's a it's fun we take four or five headlines or what's happening in news or policy or whatever and we do face validity does this make sense from a face validity standpoint if someone is telling you this like inflation is one percent and you go and you fill up your car with gas and it's five dollars and 83 cents a gallon it's like that doesn't match face validity like what i'm observing is a matching what i'm being told so the more you know about face validity, the more we can practice it together. And I learn from it too. You just get really good at it. And then other, again, other people start to see this in you. They'll start to see this and, and be like, Shelly, she's really good at face validity. Or what is this term face validity? I never knew it. And it's funny because like, I didn't know this stuff until 
I did my PhD really. Like I didn't, I didn't know what face validity was, what qualitative, quantitative was, but this face validity, which I read about extensively in the philosophy of information, once you get really good at face validity, we all have this ability, right? We just, it just kind of gets like worked out of us. Like it's a sandpaper. People kind of just like sand it down after a while. It's no longer there. Um, once, once you get really good at face validity, you're, you're, instantly better than 90% of the people out there. You're ahead of the pack. If it's, if you're in that position, you're making so much better decisions, right? Life is, I don't know if it's easier necessarily, but you're seeing things come at you before other people see them. Things develop and you're able to maneuver and move yourself out of harm's way. It's phenomenal. But, you know, we don't, nobody teaches this thing. So when we talk about it, and we practice it, it's just, it's a, it's a good thing. It's a calibration tool every Friday and I love it. So Shelly wrote, uh, maybe you can kick my butt on authoring. So yeah. Oh my school of airs was, was about a three-year project. Um, velocity of information was 18 months and I was working pretty nonstop start to finish in so many interviews with that. Um, we'll kind of see where things go from there. But, and then also I've been landing the publishing contracts, you know, writing, writing proposals and going through all of that is really, was really tedious, but well worth it. And then at the end, um, marketing and how to put together indexes with publishers and stuff like that. I mean, it's people and what proofing is like, people have no idea until you, you kind of get into this. Um, just the whole process stuff. The ADD is is fierce. Shelter in Paradise is from Bacon. We had a primer Christmas Eve. The correct Christmas Eve entree. Yeah, you bet. I shake my head at the grocery cost. It's crazy. Face validity is B-L-O-O. Yeah. B Bolo, you got it, buddy. Thank you so much for watching and having your device hooked up. Bolo's like on Verizon now, and he just for the high-speed internet, so he can have nine devices all logged in under different usernames that are watching different episodes of the safety doc because Bolo is that type of person. It will do that for you. Um, Shelly wrote, my friends told me I don't need a PhD. I'm done with school. So Shelly, like I'll say the PhD was the best professional experience I had in school. So I have two masters and a PhD. I learned the most in the PhD. It was a, the, the biggest I don't know if it's self-discovery, also the real understanding of qualitative stats. Um, my dissertation was, was had a, a ton of rigor. So I, I think I was ready for it. Like it was the right time for me. So I don't know. You know, the thing is like, I don't have it up on the wall behind me. It's still in the envelope. It was mailed to me. I, I went to UW Madison, you know, and at that time, my PhD educational leadership policy analysis was ranked like first in the world for that. And, um, but you know, I never, I never, you know, that's one thing too. Like when we did the book covers, I said, I don't want my credentials on the book cover. You know, I just, um, it's, I'm glad I don't, but it's also, I learned a lot. It's also, I, I will never use that as a credential stopper. You know, some people do that. Oh, I have a PhD, I have this, this, whatever. I want you to know the content that I'm producing, right? The, the the book and stuff like this. The PhD is kind of secondary. And the PhD did introduce me to a lot of fascinating people and ways to think and analyze things. Like, and I really understood what surveys were after that. Like I had this professor who worked at Nabisco for several years doing surveys and talked about like, here's what surveys can do and here's what they can't do. And, um, but yeah, 
it's kind of funny. Like, yeah. Um, some people, so in the publishing, in, in my book now, like everybody in the publishing community in, at my, in the, the publishing house referred to me as Dr. Proden. Everything's very formal, <laughs> so, which is okay. Like, I don't demand that, right? That's on me, but they're always very, very, very formal. So I, I got it marked down for seven Say, Hey, good for you, buddy. Um, I didn't get, I did get my master's degree, so I just have to finish uh, my books. I really don't need a PhD because I don't know if there's a specific need for what I do. For, so my PhD, right. Yeah, you got to match up. So my PhD, I'm a university professor. I, you know, I've taught 100 plus courses and things like that. To not have a PhD is, is significantly detrimental if you're a university professor. Um, so, yeah. So the, that clearly was the utility in my PhD. Plus, I guess it's credibility with the book although it's not advertised with the, the book. Um, I, I presented once on PBS without a PhD. I was the only non-PhD person, <laughs> like in 100 episodes to present. I remember that, like they, they told me that. And then I presented with the PhD. Um, expert witness stuff I, I have done has to really have the PhD, but I don't know. It's really my university work as a professor. To, I just needed to have a PhD, so. Um, you have $5 and I have a choice, a gallon of gas or a pound of bacon. Ooh, that's a tough one. I'd go with bacon, but, um, I study quantitative, qualitative and FST. So beyond the lookouts is below, uh, media hits. Oh my God. Welcome media hits. What is up? It's media hits. Dun, dun, dun. Just got done watching uh hoarders full episodes of YouTube told fires. <laughs> that's crazy. Man, I knew somebody who had a house like that. Holy Lord. It was crazy. It was at that level. Yeah. Yikes. Um, uh, I just thought about teaching in higher ed makes sense. So, yeah. Everything's kind of changed now. now. I've been doing this for 20 years in higher ed. And, you know, I teach legal issue courses. So I can kind of build my own stuff out and. I teach at a private university. So there's a lot of things like that kind of work in my advantage in that setup. Um, and for the university, it's a reciprocal advantage because they, if they can demonstrate that their faculty are doing scholarly work, like my book is coming out from a scholar, scholarly publisher, there are rankings for publishers in the scholarly community. This is all kind of complicated, but like I help the university by the work that I do. It helps their... I don't know if necessarily credibility, but it, it it does contribute to their ability to get funding and grants and stuff like that because I'm there. So it's this give and take relationship. I love what I do there too, so it's good. Um, Shelly, I went to distance ed conference at Madison. Hey, I graduated with my PhD from UW Madison, so spent a lot of time down on campus. Um, really loved it back then. So yeah, I haven't been down there for quite a while, but um. Media hits, media hits, FUST, formative and summative assessments. So, yeah, I didn't, honestly, Shelly, I didn't know what formative and summative was <laughs> until I got into my PhD program. So, and I think someone explained it to me once exactly like this. Like, formative is like tasting the soup as you're making it. Like, do I need more salt or whatever? And summative is like when it's all done and then you're tasting the dish. I remember that because... Uh, yeah, all around fire as is possibly condemned by cities. Oh my God, 
I've worked for universities, but not in teaching sense yet taught teachers of technology, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it does. It completely does. So yeah, I'm, and I'm, I have to finish up building out my classes for spring. Um, so yeah, not, I don't want to get big headed on this because I'm not, but, um, when I teach, it's kind of interesting because now that I've been on PBS, I've written books and, you know, it's kind of other stuff right in the university. Like I, I have a very minor celebrity status. So my classes fill up and people will take my class. Well, they'll call, they'll, they'll email me and say, are you teaching this class during whatever term and things like that? And then they'll sign up for it. And I've had people just, you know, they'll, they'll say, I took this class just because you're teaching it. Like I wanted to meet you <laughs> and I wanted to like have a class that you taught. And that happened, you know, this, and it is so funny to me, but you know, there is a respect with that. Right. And this body of work that you do. And I mean, if I was taking a class and my professor had written my textbook, I guess, and had, had been on PBS and had done some other things. Like, I think that would be, I, I would feel like this is a pretty cool thing, but, um, it does happen in class. Uh, I do have, I do have people who are just like, I take the, I'm, I'm just taking this class cause you teach it. <laughs> so that is a pretty good experience too. I'm a pretty good prof. Um, but yeah, it is media hits. Uh, Got to get rural Wisconsin kids to go to college in Madison instead of you, Minneapolis. So yeah, don't go to Minneapolis. Go down to UW Madison. So I had a good time there. Um, this is a good, good instruction. So I also went to UW Superior right across from Duluth for my master's in education um, and went to Stevens Point for my master's in speech language pathology. So had a lot of flavors, plus two-year college, UW Marathon Center, UW Wood County. Uh, best in show, look it up, and it was at Madison, Wisconsin. So did it case studies with the teachers of UW Madison with online learning. So, wow. Um, some of the, like, early Minecraft stuff kind of got developed out of UW Madison, too. Um, I get to advise advisors. Um, Cracker Jack Box, anybody? Yeah. So UW Madison is pretty cool because they they'll make a big deal about my book. Uh, they made a big deal out of School of Errors. I think they put it as like a post on their Facebook page. You know, university of like fifty thousand people and students or whatever, and um, in their Twitter and their social media, like back they made a big deal out of that. And when I was on PBS, well, of course, like there's it's twofold, right? Like <laughs> that makes it look good for them. Like, hey, here's one of our graduates who now is you know doing this. Uh, so it's, it's both ways. And then I will I will go down there after um, my book releases in April and do, a, you know, some, I don't know, talk about it and answer questions or whatever. And then I'll donate a signed uh, copy down to the library, you know, at UW. But uh, so, yeah, it's cool. UW-Madison. Yeah. UW-Madison was the best. Um campus that i attended so in spanish so albino grandparents met at uw oh my goodness shelly that's quite a story yeah but good i'm glad i pushed myself to the phd you know when you start the phd program one of the things they said and i'll talk to my dissertation defense was a disaster but um they tell you first of all they're like half of you will drop out of this and of the half that remain, 
25% will do everything except defend the dissertation, the paper. So you'll be ABD, all but dissertation. And then there's also like these other things are like, there's a 20% increased divorce rate if you go into a PhD program because the time you spend away from family and mental health. They had all these stats. I mean, it was pretty daunting. Like you take this on. And it was at that time, like, you know, but now I'll tell you, like writing School of Errors and writing the velocity of information of 471 endnotes, much more involved than a dissertation. Like those are the most challenging things I've ever done in my life. And because like you're not paying for that, it's not paying tuition, you're doing this, like you're working under a publishing house. So it's private sector stuff. Like so, um, but yeah. I don't know, Shelly. It's not dissertation though, it was really it's a really great experience. Um, you, you do learn a ton and I'm glad I did it. I completely, I would tell anybody if you're thinking in or in the fence or in the program to do it, but do it when you're going to come out with a PhD and not an ed doctorate. PhD is much more valuable and, um, go to a reputable university. I guess those would be my things. I know too many people who have like some ed doctorate and they studied, the importance of school mascots or the effect of Halloween on kids in schools. I mean, st- really, these are had, these are studies that people did. Like I did high stakes decision making in the military, healthcare, and education, which was a beast of a research project. And I'm glad I did it. Like I wanted to do that because I I said coming into it, I want this to be very difficult because I want to learn from it. I want it to challenge me. Um, I drove a pretty girl to UW. Loved her, but it was just my turn. Oh, yeah, yeah. They have in front of they have this this hill in front of the the main building, and <laughs> in in summer I had classes there, and there was those girls out there sunning themselves. Like, oh goodness, my grandfather has PhD in Spanish. Wrote a book in Spanish at Costa Rica. That kicks ass, Shelley. It's really cool. I'm looking at STEM learning uh, for my PhD. So yeah. I'm at the point, I'm done. You know, if I, with, with uh, classes, if I had to do anything, I would go back and pick up a law. Um, I'd pick up my my law degree. That That's the only thing I kind of, um, I don't know if I regret it because I already, I spent so many, so much time in school and stuff, but I, I think I would, I would learn a lot and be able to apply a lot from law stuff. When I was an expert witness, I learned a ton and it really brought, brought me into like, whoa, I want to know this. And now that I teach like legal courses, I'm kind of like on that fringe of like, I'm not a lawyer, but I know a lot about legal stuff. And I, I would love to learn a little bit more, but I'm yeah, JD as well, but I'm not, I'm like not going back to school. <laughs> so it's not in the works here for the doc, but uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm I, like I said, I, I've completed my updated resume last night for, a position with health and human services, which was an appointed position. I don't know if I'll get it or not. Um, it's in disaster management, but it, I don't have to move. It's nothing like that. It's it's basically kind of being appointed to a council on some stuff. But um, and but when I was going through my professional vita, I'm like, whoa, like you know, there's a lot of stuff over my career that I've done and updating and stuff like that too. And um, you know. It's it's really something. So uh, I also work for lawyers. So I don't know. So yeah, I did a lot. I've done a lot of stuff with lawyers over my career. 
So like, and as I said, in school of errors, like lawyers give horrible advice to schools, <laughs> horrible advice. Lawyers trying to guide you on pandemic stuff. That's a mess. That's absolutely horrible disaster recovery fun stuff. So yeah, it's, I don't know if anything will happen of it. It's, it was um, health and human services uh, committee position for uh, people with disabilities and disaster planning. So, which is actually like right in my wheelhouse. And I was very interested, I, but I found out about it late, but I, I found out about it from someone who is very prominent in the field who made me aware of it over Christmas and said, I don't know if they have this filled yet, which I kind of took as, Oh, like I should apply. Um, so yeah. Um, so anyway, it would be good. Like, I think I'd have a lot to contribute to it. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But uh, um, yeah. So, well, everybody, I am, I am, uh, this has been a, a great night. Remember the low key, um, you know, we, we just take a few of these terms, we start to lock them into memory, but the low key is, is just a strategy, right? Of people trying to assign blame to something that can never fight back a pandemic, global warming, whatever, right? Um, they try to, and then they, they, they don't have to take responsibility for it. Uh, so recognize when people are doing a low key, recognize yourself if you're doing it. You know, every, I guess all of us kind of do this. Sometimes we just maybe blame things on whatever. But if you do a low key, it's just then you don't have to take responsibility for it, right? <laughs> you can always be the victim. It's just, yeah, as, Bo, as Bolo said, low key. Um, yeah, it's just, it's it's bad. And people are doing it more and more and more. Um, and low key originated, right, as this Norris god of chaos. So, oh, our crops were bad this year. It was the low key. Then you just moved on. There was a certain point with that with when you didn't have science where you could just say, I don't understand what this is. This happened. We'll just blame it on bad luck and we'll move on and just do what we have to do. And then it kind of moved you down. It was this transitory process. It moved you further down the road. So it wasn't necessarily a bad thing. But today, like the low key is a bad thing. Um, you know, it is, it's an excuse. And yeah, it really, it robs you of your agency and purpose and power and sense of control over your environment. It's really bad stuff. So, all right. Well, everybody, watch, 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 watch the Safety Doc podcast. It helps tons. Well, I don't know if it helps tons. I mean, I know you're helping. <laughs> and I appreciate that. Unfortunately, you know, the show is, uh, I think it's going to show up, though. I think at some point it's going to to appear and we're, we're all going to be in good shape with that. But, uh, but yeah, it's crazy right now. So everybody, uh, I'm going to, um, I am going to put on my, my reindeer antlers right there. No, let me, let me, um, change it to my cowboy hat. All right. That's not bad. Or, Hey, I just came out of the shower. I'm doing the podcast. Just came out of the shower. So, and here's a pumpkin. No, that's not a pumpkin. By God, it's a watermelon. I don't even know my my own stuff right now. And uh, spooky. Ooh, more of a Halloween thing going on there. So, all right. And good news here. Wow, made it to the playoffs. Yeah, we made it to the playoffs. We are doing great. We have playoff celebration going on here. Thank you to all of you. Appreciate it very much. Um, I just much more than you guys will know. I have 
throwing out some filters. Whoa, look at this. Whoa, whoa. So, whoa. Now look at this. Whoa, and here's the dock. Here's the dock again. So let's go back and let's get out of that. So, all right. Um, yeah, I have a little bit of fun, uh, which you have to. So, Chai, yeah. All right, Shelly. So, everybody, I'm doing the same exit as the intro until my good friend Swamp Dog sets me up, who's a graphics whiz with uh, some of the stuff. Um, I'm doing the same outro as intro. Thank you so much. I appreciate I am just thrilled to have, you know, 1,070 subscribers, be over 1,000. It's it's great. I'll see you guys Friday for Face Flitty Friday. Hoping those views go up. Um, and, yeah, I've got a lot of great shows on TAPS. So I'm doing the same. Um, what, in the, what in the hell here? I'm doing the same outro as I do for intro here for the safety doc. So everybody, take care. It is your good friend, the safety doc. Thank you for being here. Thank you for us defeating the Loki. The Loki, which I'm blaming right now for taking my wash hours from the show. The Loki has done that. But we will defeat the Loki. Avoid the Noid. Defeat the Loki. Thank you, everybody. Is your good friend, the safety doc. Take care. each week as we discuss the best and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. Follow Dr. Perodin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe.